and gentlemen and jury, the prosecution is not going to get that man today. No, because I'm going to get him. the Hagman Report for today, last day of July 2017. Debbie Wasserman Schultz, it's coming out that uh, she might be or uh, apparently is paying hush money uh, to Imran Awan. The situation with the communist slash Islamic infiltration in Congress, although you as an audience knew about it long time ago. Uh, people, we've had guests on George Webb, for example, and others talking about it. It's just really ramping up in the, uh, on the, cons- in the conservative media, but nonetheless, the bottom line, the dots between the Awan brothers, Debbie Wasserman Schultz, Seth Rich, homicide, as well as other things, are beginning to connect. The scope of the data breach uh, is incalculable, I believe. And when um, when when it is determined with uh, by the proper investigative body, when it's determined that, um, that the breach has been uh, extensive, I do believe you're going to see attributed to this infiltration the blood of a Navy SEAL and the blood of others on a wand's hands. This is my my professional belief. And by extension, Debbie Wasserman Schultz and every single Democratic congressional staffer that employed these people. There's a lot to see here. There's a lot of there, there. There's a lot of fire to this. And of course, there's more, but there's more news. North Korea, of course, is in the news. And then, Joe, we have the situation with uh, the White House, Scaramucci, leaving. Yep, out and, his communications uh, director. Yep, yep, that was a short stay. Yeah, he really uh, made in, made some waves, uh, got tons of attention, got everybody all all hopped up, and then now he's now he's gone. Leaving many people to ask what is going to happen next. Is this revolving door of uh, communication directors going to continue to spin as fast as it has? And, you know, what was his function or purpose for being put in there? Was it only to try to out leakers and get rid of Priebus? Or, you know, was it his uh, rant to the reporter as the reason for him being uh, dismissed? Hmm. Uh, I believe... If I read the articles correctly, that it was the recommendation of Kelly to Trump to yes, get rid of Scaramucci. Yes. Well, so Scaramucci bragged internally, according to CBS News, and who can believe the the the, the fake news that that um, he would be answering to the to the president, right, directly. It, yeah, president. and uh, the incoming chief of staff said not so quickly here, and there was a, a, an alleged dust up now. Regardless, there's more to that story, but I, I, it, the, what, what bothers me the most about this is the leak. How quickly 
things. If you go back to the original purpose or the original incident that uh, caused Scaramucci to um, express himself in such a colorful manner, and I understand that. If you go back to that and you start going backwards, there's something very, to me, that's very troubling about that. And um, I, I, I think I, I don't. I'm not a hundred percent certain, but I think I know the backstory to that, and it relates to. And uh, and I want people if 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 you have the if you have the time and desire, I did a special program on Saturday, my daily show. If you go to HagmanReport.com, click on it. I talked about the, the and the reason I brought this up is I talked about the true nature of of what's happening, and and what's happening is. It's, it's nothing we haven't already said here. To kill the presidency, to marginalize the presidency, and perhaps ultimately to kill the president. And when I say kill, neutralize, whatever the word is, politically neutralize, or by any means necessary. I wouldn't put it past this bunch to, to do whatever's necessary to, to marginalize or to get Donald Trump out of the way. I just would not put it past. And I think that's a real objective. Which is why this this is so troubling to me. Bottom of this hour, Jack Posobiec, our that's right, our I claim them, we're claiming them. Our political correspondent from D.C. is going to be checking in and giving us the uh, his knowledge about what's going on with Scaramucci. And don't forget, he's and also really the close to these people. Yeah, the leaks. Um, so that uh, this is going to be good. And then from eight to ten, um, folks, I've got a family commitment. I actually can't believe that at eight o'clock. So I'm going to be leaving uh, uh, Steve Coyle and Pastor David Langford. Oh, Wait, you're and... leaving too? Jeez, that's my nap time. Uh, eight to ten. That's when I on Mondays. You know, I, uh, uh, yeah, when that's I can't right. Sleep at that's the right. desk here. I go lay on the couch. Wait, you, you know what? You, you, you didn't you didn't crane it in. <laughs> But, Maybe uh, I forgot. We'll we'll have to postpone uh, the nap for a later time. Yeah, and, and but folks, uh, but I, Steve I, and Pastor Lang, yeah, yeah. Uh, for the first time in a while, we'll be on together from eight to ten, and that's going to obviously we need this be so uh, much, man. We need this so much. A fantastic show as always. They always bring uh, the best out in each other, and it's uh, we've done a number of spiritual shows with Steve and Pastor Langford for what the last five six years we used to do the sunday shows on yes, a regular basis yes. and, and i believe you know what joe i believe i was thinking about that the other day i, I believe that remember the the what was it five or six sundays five Sundays in a row where we did the communion and yeah uh, yeah yeah i i truly believe that pastor langford steve quill uh heading up those shows and this is my personal theological belief i believe that that did um it, it what it gathered the people the listeners it gathered us around in a very solemn manner to pray for Syria and when i say pray for Syria the um we we prayed that we would not go toe to toe with Syria with Russia that is and i think i and i really believe that your prayers because of that not solely because of that but because of that i think it made a difference i really do no, many people believe that it did, and uh, you know that's what the Bible says you have to do when you pray. And is that if two or more people, you know, uh, seek the Lord and pray, that their prayers will be answered. And it is, uh, it's always good when when those spiritual shows are done. It, it brings a lot to the table, and um, 
I think it was a big part of our show and still will continue to be. Switching gears here, uh, while we're getting into the news, an interesting uh, development or series of developments out of Venezuela. Oh, you've been covering that pretty pretty heavily. Yeah, not as much as as, as we should be, but um, getting the gist of what's going on there. If you remember last week, at the end of last week, uh, the State Department issued an alert to f- diplomats and family members that they should leave the country as soon as possible ahead of these elections that were uh, upcoming. Well, the elections were held, and I have to find the the stats I was looking at earlier. I have them in my other notebook, which I did not bring with me. But if I remember correctly off the top of my head, um, there was a, a large voter turnout, despite what the uh, the press there was saying, and uh, the president remained in power, but he is planning on to completely change their constitution. Madro, I think, is his name. And we have already, what's that? Maduro, thank you. And we already have, uh, you know, violent protests in the streets. There was up to twelve uh, that were killed in the protests so far. It looks like it's con- going to continue to descend into chaos. There, the State Department and U.S issued sanctions. U.S. slaps a dictator uh, Maduro with sanctions as the streets are barricaded and the Attorney General of Venezuela will not even uh, recognize the results of the election or the new assembly of people. Uh, And the U.S. Treasury here, it says, has issued sanctions against Venezuelan President Maduro, uh, sanctioning the President of Venezuela, saying, uh, calling him a dictator who disregards the will of the Venezuelan people on Sunday, Venezuela voted to create a new legislative body that could rewrite the Constitution and is expected to be filled with Maduro's supporters. Now, what are these sanctions going to do on the already um, terribly... Uh, the, the country's in terrible shape in Venezuela. Inflation is anywhere between 700 and 1,400 percent. Socialism, been like this right? For, right, they've they run out of other, other people's money to steal That's right. and redistribute. So for the last 6, 8, 12 months, people have been waiting in line up to 12 hours a day just to get the basic necessities from toilet paper to milk to eggs and have been there have been a number of uh what do you call them rat lines set up to help bring food and other supplies in that have been shut down by the government one example of this is there was um i'm not sure if it was a company or a group of individuals that had brought food and supplies about 80 miles offshore to the point where people were swimming or catching you know small rowboats to get out there to get the supplies and the government actually shut it down when it found out about it. But the Treasury Secretary, uh, Munchen, said those who participate in the illegitimate assembly could face future U.S. sanctions for their role in undermining the democratic process and institutions of Venezuela. Many people know Venezuela's main export is oil, and with the sanctions on the U.S., if they um, you know, stop their ability to export the oil, what is that going to do to the citizens there and... Um, what is the future of Venezuela going to look like? Are we going to start to see, you know, mass starvation and genocide through food sh- shortages and uh, military crisis? It seems to be um, in in a tailspin uh, to destruction. And many uh, McMaster said, "What is happening in Venezuela is the end of the constitution for that country." And they say that the uh, erosion of the democracy in the country has been accelerating by design that according to uh, H.R. McMaster so 
folks, keep your eyes on Venezuela because you don't know how soon if it can descend into complete chaos and civil war. And, and this is why we urge everyone to prepare here. Uh, all, all members of our audience, to the best of their ability, please prepare. Because even if a situation like that could be temporary, even if that was the case, um, just imagine, you know, needing food, not having it, and then relying on the government to to, to get it to you. It's not going to happen. No one is coming. Uh, to no, save in that you. case, the the government's you know hindering things, stopping yes. uh, you know supplies and other things from getting to people who need them, uh, shutting down the the people's ability to use the currency to buy food because they continue to devalue the currency through inflation and the printing of money. If anything, the government has made the situation, you know, ten times worse. And take that as a as an indicator of what exactly would happen in this country if we got to that point. It would just continue to make things worse. That's right. Did you uh, see this yeah. story? Uh, this is what we opened with on the Hagman Daily Show. Spiritual awakening underway at White House. Uh, Bible studies have been uh-huh. taking place in the White House with the top levels of the Trump cabinet for the first time in over a hundred years, according to the article, that the spiritual awakening is underway at the White House. The most powerful people in America are gathering weekly to learn more about God's word and Trump's cabinet. Bible study is making history. They've been called the most evangelical cabinet in history, men and women who don't mince words when it comes to where they stand on God and the Bible. And I think any time you talk about God, the Bible, the scripture is good. I just, I, I, oh, please be careful of, of you know, the man's, uh, um, what would you call it? The polluting by man of God's word, right? Right. You're talking about uh, taking scriptures out of context. Right, or, right. Because, yeah, not, I mean, you know, I mean think of Romans copies. 13. We don't yeah. have copies of the uh, of the teachings, we and um, this is something that the members of the cabinet who are not there do get these uh, printed out uh, to follow along teachings that are that are ongoing. I'd love to see those, but uh, uh, even yeah. even the pastor who's doing this says it's the best Bible study I've ever taught in my life. They're so teachable, they're so noble, and they are learned. Uh, it's a groundbreaking sense. Nobody thinks the formal Bible study among executive cabinet members has been done for at least a hundred years. Uh, Back to America's basics. top cop, Attorney General Jeff Sessions, also attends the meetings yeah. regularly. And and think about think about being grounded in that that. Um, well, think about the integrity, yeah, and the morality that spiritual uh, that spirituality does create. And I'm talking about real spirituality, not the. Um, uh, not this fake spirituality. And I happened to be flipping through channels. It was like 3.30 in the morning. And I saw this advertisement for this water. Uh, it's for free. You, you send away. I, I, the first time I ever saw this, uh, the commercial began, oh, I got a car you know, without expecting it, or I got my promotion. I got this or that. You know, some uh, fortune happened in there in, in these people's lives. And they attribute it to this vial of water, and I, look, I don't know. It, it was it was on a um, it was on a, uh, a a Christian channel. Look, I don't know. I I don't remember. Again, it was like three in the morning. I don't remember which which channel or which Christian. Wait, wait. Are you saying people they were selling? About? They weren't selling it. They were giving it away. Peter Popoff Springwater. That's it. I've seen that That's commercial. It. I about I about. You seen that, Eric? 
Oh uh, my goodness. Uh, well, what was that okay, about? Look, this is what I don't get. Because the um, yeah, if anybody's been up at you know, two, three, four in the morning and you're watching TV, you're going to come across this commercial. It's a guy named Peter Popoff. He's he looks like he's 80 years old with dyed black hair, and he gives away this miracle spring water. Now, what's weird about it? Did you drink it? I don't know. What's weird about it is one, he's giving it away, which is fine. So I'm wondering where is he okay. making his money from? But what they make the commercial about is not about uh, spiritual blessings or or you know miracles. It's about oh, I re- I ordered a Peter Popoff's miracle spring water and anointed myself, and three days later I got a check for in the mail for forty thousand dollars. It's all about the money, which they're giving it away. I don't know where the guy makes his money from. Maybe they make you give a credit card and you get charged some fee when you order it. But yeah, Peter Popoff's Miracle Spring Water. I think that's the most silliest thing ever. Uh, I, I looked at Lady the Studio Dog. We, we actually were in the. We came into the office really early. I think it was. I think it was this morning or yesterday morning. Yesterday morning it was going into Sunday morning. Um, I looked at Lady the Studio Dog, and she looked at me, and we we, we were both like, huh. Anyway, yeah, I just, but, but getting back to the, the basics of Bible study in the White House, I think it's so important and how great is that? Um, it's not, I, I do hope it's not, you know, the Chris Lom coexist. Let's, uh, you know, it's, I do hope it's well grounded scripture. Of course, I don't know, but, um, the other, the other thing that we need to mention, there was a diver. That was spotted off of Norfolk. Yep, I read that Virginia okay. there, and uh, yep, that yep. Now, was reported I, by the Navy actually. Right, and and the notes that I took on this, um, you know, ships on security alert, that is a huge deal. Now that doesn't happen without some basis of concern, actual basis of concern, uh, especially when. They can only be on security alert for so long in practicality. Uh, all day long is, is difficult. Um, you've got a limited number of people allowed to move around and armed members of the team and such, you know, so this is a kind of a big deal, but, but here's what concerns me. Do you remember 10 years ago, eight years ago, Newburgh, New York? Right off. I remember Newburgh. Okay. The yeah. bro- half of the city is broken down buildings. Look like uh, Mosul. It did. Right. Yeah. Did. But, uh, the, the nuclear right the power river. plant right up the river. Okay. Uh, there, they, they, there was a, there was a diver. They, they actually found a dead diver up there. Remember that. Now we went up there and we were shut down by DHS completely when we asked questions about, uh, about what this diver was doing. Around the the outtakes of the nuclear power plant, you know where they flush flush out the. Not to change the subject, remember they stopped and got some good chicken wings there. Yeah. Uh, no, I don't. Right, but when we were coming into town. Oh, okay. I remember it was on the right hand side as we were going into yeah. the road. Yeah, it was a yeah. It was a nice little chicken place, but anyway, they, yeah. We were, I remember sitting at the uh, after we were done work. Um, you know, we went down to because there's a highway. And then there's the town, and then there's the river. Right. So the town's between Correct. the highway and the river. Right. And you, when you get to the end of the town and you get to the river, you can see all the way down. And I remember seeing across the river the nuclear the plant you're right. talking about. Correct. And this is one thing I, I, when I get my notes, uh, I, I saved all, you know, we save our notes and I saved my notes from that time. But I wanted to, to really kind of take a look at this, uh, 
from recollection. I, I do know that we got shut down pretty quickly uh, by asking when we were asking questions about the identity of the diver and the reason and. But this, this has the same feel to it. I don't, I have a, I have a real, uh, concern over this. And, and what I'm talking about, in case people did not hear about this, in Norfolk, the Navy searched for a possible diver. Possible diver? No. Multiple sightings. Trespassing in the waters are on the piers, uh, at the Naval Station, Norfolk. And it's, they're gonna continue, the, the Navy's gonna continue the search. Now, um that's a lot of area that's a lot of searching and how if you know the naval area there there's blockades in water blockades protecting our naval assets and our shores so um this is not somebody whoops i accidentally kind of you know gee i had so you know my my fins just took me right there no this is this was intentional and this is why it's so concerning to me. So, uh, NCIS, I believe, is investigating as well as, uh, they, they deployed the ordnance, uh, explosive ordnance disposal team. Who knows? But pay attention to this. There's something in the works taking place. And I, I want to make sure we covered that. At the, remember here in about, uh, nine minutes at the bottom of the hour, we're going to have, uh, Jack Posobiec talking about Scaramucci as as well as other issues in the White House, what's taking place. And I I look at this, Joe and and folks, I look at this as as really being a uh, situation that Donald Trump is being put into, um, he's being pushed into into some pretty untenable situations where it's... Well, I'll tell you what, this chaos in the White House doesn't look good for him. No, I, and the optics, I, I believe, are part of it. Um, if you can, if you can, I mean, I mean, think of it this way: Do you want to do business with a company whose upper management or management isn't is in chaos? No. What would you think of a company whose management is in chaos or uh, is struggling uh, with with things like this? You would not think too highly. There, there's that marginalization process taking place. And this is, I, I believe this is one third, and, and I use that number specifically, one third of, of the objective. You've got the optics behind it. Then you've got the practical application of the, uh, uh, personnel movements, the problems there. And then the third, uh, part of it is the actual, um, leak itself, the communi- unauthorized communications that caused the other two thirds. So if you look at it that way, and I think what is taking place, the, uh, deep state, including the members of the, of the destroyed Donald Trump media, are making their moves today, right now, to marginalized Donald Trump and everybody around him and I think Mr. Scaramucci played right into or was 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 a big part of this I really I, I think that I think this in retrospect when we look back at the events and I pray this is not the case but when we look back at the events and say what happened to cause the marginalization ultimate marginalization of Donald Trump this uh is going to be a big, a, 
a, a big section. But it's going to be it's going to be related to the lakes. But go ahead if you if you want to weigh in. Well, no, and it, it'll be interesting to talk to to Jack in the next segment to get his take on all this. Uh, what would you call it? Inside baseball, really? That is um, right going on inside this administration. And as far as having a, you know, would you want to come uh, be do business with a company that's having all these uh, upper management and other types of personnel changes? Well, you know that depends. Um, we well, always talk about how now. it's framed. I mean, it depends on how it's. See, he resigned. He resigned but, before he was even. He was not supposed to take office until August fifteenth. Was the day correct, he was supposed to be sworn correct. in officially. So, so <laughs> really, he never. Well, even, what's the word? What, he sold resigned. his company. He sold his billion dollar company. Got divorced from his wife and fired within ten days. Divorced his wife because she didn't want him to take the job. Well, okay. And so you look. Uh, and WBEN out of Buffalo is reporting this. I know Tom Barley there personally, and I can, I can vouch for the information coming in. Um, I, I can vouch for this information. Scaramucci resigns at the White House, um, as White House communications director less than a week after hiring, but not taking the position. And, uh, WBEN as well reports that, uh, uh, this comes the same day John Kelly was sworn in as chief of staff. Sources tell ABC Scaramucci resigned, asking to be redeployed to the Export-Import Bank as chief of strategy officer, which is more in line of what he was doing. Um, but it goes back to, again, the leak itself and the people around the leak. But I would put my... Yeah, I would not take CBS... Uh, their version of the report where he was escorted from the White House grounds as opposed to what, uh, what WBN, WBN is reporting, uh, via their in- inside sources that he was actually, that he actually went and said, look, I want to go over here because of the Flynn situation. That's true, but it's not, it's how they said it happened. We're going to be right back with our Political correspondent, Washington D.C. correspondent Jack Sovic. Stay right where you're at. Network break. Visit HagmanReport.com for the news and articles that matter most. Stay tuned. We will be right back. In a thrilling series of novels, T.C. Joseph takes us into the lives of three families who struggle to maintain normal lives in a world where conspiracy theory and Bible prophecy collide. T.C. Joseph's viewpoint of alternative history and understanding of prophetic events will change your view of the world and the events on our horizon. 
Kirkus Review states, Readers of End Times Fiction will be hard-pressed to find it done more intriguingly than this. Extremely readable and fast-paced. Blue Week Reviews boldly states, Fans of Tim LaHaye's Left Behind series and Tom Parada's The Leftovers will find this thought-provoking series absolutely riveting. Order your copies of T.C. Joseph's This Generation series from Amazon.com. Book 1, Precipice. Book 2, Pentecost. And Book 3, Penance. Uncertain times, it makes sense to have a sustainable backup method to cook food and boil water. If your current plan includes using a fuel burning stove or cooking over an open fire, then there's a much better way. The Miniman Rocket Stove is a biomass burning cooking stove that only requires small quantities of sticks and twigs for fuel. The Miniman Stove is easy to use, smokeless, portable, powerful, and sustainable. For the finest in survival cooking stoves and fire starters made right here in the USA, go to MinutemanStove.com. That's MinutemanStove.com. You may never look at your city, town, or its people the same way ever again. Stained by Blood, a murder investigation based upon a true story by private investigator Douglas J. Hagman. Using the character Mark Stiles, Hagman takes you on a journey behind the scenes where the homicide becomes a secondary to an underworld of satanic ritual abuse, child abduction, and even mind-controlled experimentation. A world dismissed as conspiracy by those who want to keep its secrets hidden. Exposing the dangers, denials, and deceptions. For five years, a brutal killer remained on the loose, free to kill again. As Mark struggles to navigate the maze of bizarre twists and untangle a web of deeply hidden secrets kept by some of the most powerful and influential people in this community and beyond. Stain by Blood. Order your copy of this engaging novel today at HagmanandHagman.com and click on the link. Stain by Blood. back folks to the Hagman report you know I, I, a guy I think a lot of the author of citizens for Trump go ahead uh, grab grab a hold of his book citizens for Trump it reads it's a great read let me tell you the inside story of the people's movement to take back America Jack Posobiec a guy I like to call our top political correspondent that's right I claimed him <laughs> He knows, he knows the inside story of what's taking place inside Washington. When uh, the news broke today, uh, I was talking to John and Joe and, and we all said, look, the guy to get on and the guy to explain this is Jack Posobiec. Uh, so we owe him a debt of gratitude for, for making time out of his schedule and uh, coming on Jack Posobiec, Citizens for Trump. Thank you, sir, for coming on. What's going on, sir? Hey guys, thanks so much for having me on. You know, it's funny, so I actually just landed uh, back in D.C., I was in Europe for about two weeks, went to Poland uh, to visit family, and I thought, you know, today is going to be a nice, calm day, relaxing, first day back, And but no, no, couldn't have any of that. It was full speed ahead, full speed running, and uh, we learned very early this morning that uh, that Mooch was going to be sent out uh, at the behest of General Kelly now, the chief of staff to the president. You know, is this a good thing? Is this a bad thing? Uh 
does this the optics behind this uh are are, are I mean, how how damaging is this to President Donald Trump? Well, it's it's going to be, I think, tactically, uh, in the short term, it's not going to appear very damaging because I think most people are going to look at it by saying, you know what, it's Donald Trump. He fires people left and right. That's what he's known for. You know, anybody watching The Apprentice or whatever watched it is probably now thinking, wow, Trump is firing less and less people than he used to. But... I do worry about the long-term strategic communications issue that the Trump team seems to have, because with Scaramucci, we definitely saw a step in the direction of engaging new media, of engaging social media influencers, engaging some top Trump supporters that are outside sort of the mainstream, uh, obsolete media, if you will, and reaching out to those new young voices those new with extremely large followings, uh, such as the Hagner Report, such as myself, such as Mike Cernovich and others. And sure. now uh, we're kind of seeing that turned back in on itself. And it remains to be seen what exactly is the plan for communication going forward. Well, if you don't mind, and I know that, uh, and folks, uh, Jack Posobiec is, is our guest checking in for the next, uh, for this segment, uh, just off a plane from Europe, uh, tired as heck, but, but, what a trooper! But um, we're getting reports that that he resigned as White House communications director, and he's asking to be uh, redeployed at the Export Import Bank as chief strategy officer, as opposed to what CBS is reporting, where he was escorted out of the uh, out of the uh, West Wing, and because, well, because of as you said, as you mentioned, the uh, John Kelly was uh, same day John Kelly being sworn in as chief of staff, and this is over the over the reporting structure basis or whatever you want to call it. What's true here? Did he, did he resign? Did he, or, or was there a, yeah, you're fired kind of moment there? Uh, I think it was a little of both. I think it was uh, a situation where Kelly said, look, you know, I want to make myself known. I want to make a big move, a power move early on. And, you know, I want that to be towards Garamucci. Uh See, I, I actually, believe it or not, um, I don't even think I mentioned this to you guys before, but uh, a lifetime ago when I was in the military, I actually served under General Kelly for um, uh, just under a year uh, when I was stationed uh, in Southcom at, uh, and, at Guantanamo Bay, Cuba. And let me tell you something. The guy's a four-star general in the Marine Corps, and you don't get to be a four-star general in the Marine Corps by stepping outside the chain of command, right? That's what he lives and breathes by. That's how he uh, analyzes any situation. So to me... It seems like he was looking at Scaramucci not so much as somebody who made off-color remarks, number one, but because he did so outside of the chain of command and outside of command approval. Um, and that's something that's going to be a little different in terms of style when it comes to General Kelly's way of dealing with government versus Scaramucci's way of dealing with communications. Now, where Kelly is going to be uh, hard-pressed now is to transform those that good organization, that, you know, obviously very military style towards public opinion, towards legislation, towards dealing with, you know, the backstabbing and the politicos that populate the White House uh, and populate Washington, D.C. This is a very different type of animal, a very different type of challenge than he's used to. Uh, just as a case in point, sort of your soundbite, I guess you could say, is ordering a battalion to march into Ramadi is very, very different than shepherding a new policy through the the uh, the battlefield of public opinion and through both houses of Congress. No, you're you're exactly right. 
Jack, I'm going to ask you about Rents Priebus. This is a uh, he was the head of the RNC. Did, do you believe Trump brought him in to try to, to unify the Republican Party to his administration in ways that we saw, uh, you know, the other side of that with never Trumpers and a lot of the Republicans refused to get behind uh, Trump? Was was Rents brought in uh, because of his his standing in the, the head of the RNC, or were there other reasons behind that? And do you think it was a good decision to let him go? Yeah, no, I think that one of the big selling points for Rent was that he was the one who was supposed to say, hey, you know what, uh, Mr. Trump, you're new to Washington, you're an outsider, you have the the election, you have the electorate, but I know how to get things done in Washington. I was the chairman of the party, so I'll be able to get the party behind you when it comes to legislation. That was his whole uh, sales pitch, essentially, for himself as chief of staff. However, that never quite materialized. We haven't seen legislation for the wall. We haven't seen legislation for health care. This, this vote, uh, you know, this past week was obviously a huge failure for the Republican bill, where they, you can't even get them on the same page to agree as to what exactly they want to replace Obamacare with. Um, so it seems that Ryan's, in very typical Trump fashion, he usually gives someone the chance to fail and then fires them. So I think that's really where it came to at this point. Though my sources have told me that, way, that a lot of Rince's stuff came down to the leaks and that very early on months ago, uh, people like myself, people like Roger Stone and Chuck Johnson had pinpointed um, Rince as being chief of all the leakers. Um, case in point, you never saw any stories leaked about Ryan's previous. You notice that? There's always stories about General Flynn or Donald Trump Jr., Jared Kushner, Steve Bannon, even Ivanka at times. But there was never quite any story, negative or positive, leaked about Ryan's previous. Sean Spicer to a lesser extent as well. So why did that never happen? And so it's sort of a process of elimination. You can see where the leaks, the leaks were coming from. And and at that point, it was where Trump had decided, okay, he's going to wait for a lull in the news cycle, and then he's going to make one fell swoop and bring in a lot of changes from here to there. And that's essentially what we're seeing over the past two weeks. All right. Maybe uh, rents wasn't that interesting to, to the media to begin with either. Well, one of the things I often wondered about with all these leaks is why we didn't see uh, different strategies used, such as uh, disseminating different pieces of disinformation to different people to see which pieces of information filtered back out into the media. And maybe they did try that to some extent, but it didn't work out properly. Uh, obviously, uh, that is what they tried with uh, with Martin Short and not Martin Short. Um, Martin Sharp, excuse me, uh, and uh, and Katie Walsh, and that's that's very much what brought down uh, brought them to leave the White House. Is that they they use a very similar strategy to that, and I believe okay. that the um, if you remember very very early on that there was a story regarding Trump um, planning to use the National Guard and deploying the National Guard, mobilizing them to the border, uh, something that's complete farce, and yet the entire mainstream media was running with it. That was clearly something. Uh, that was used to design uh, to flush out one of these leakers, I think. Got it. And, and yeah, I, <laughs> that's incredible to uh, how they could, could you report imagine? on that. Could you imagine? Yeah. Uh, yeah well, yeah. I mean, that's so far out there. But <laughs> man, if there's anything to chuckle about today, that's it. Um, so yeah, go just ahead. With the leakers. Uh, do you still suspect that there are a number of other leakers, uh, at least one, if not more, still in the inner circles of the White House? Well, I do, because remember that most of the the staff of the White House was hired by Ryan Priebus and his initial hire, uh, former John Boehner staffer, Johnny DiStefano. So 
So they pleased all of the key staff within the White House, not necessarily this, this inner circle of advisors that we seem to tend to focus on, but the rank-and-file members, the aides, the people that are populating the executive office of the president across the street that come and go from the, the, from the West Wing. So you're going to see a lot of those people still being loyal to Ryan Priebus, still being loyal to the RNC, and where, as Garamuji rightfully stated, there were people in the White House who thought it was their job to defend America from Donald Trump. Uh, okay. Hmm. I think many still think that way, too. Yeah. Now, I didn't get a chance uh, before time to take a look at what you had uh, retweeted about uh, Mike Cernovich. Um, his... Uh, I'm not sure how much you were able to watch either uh, about the firing of Scaramucci. Pretty much in line with what you were you were saying as well. Uh, I think so, and I, I had a chance to talk to Mike about it. Um, you know, he he I used the word devastated. Uh, he saw Scaramucci as a as a huge step in in towards that direction of 21st century communication, and now we're left with a situation where we don't know what the communication strategy is. We don't know if there's going to be that same connection with uh, big social media influencers and big online personalities that Scaramucci was planning. Um, this, this is something where, you know, you look at it and you say, who's more important? Does it seem like the New York Times or CNN is really on a trajectory of success and growth? Or does it seem like, just, you know, regardless of any names, does it seem like the Internet and YouTube and social media are the new venues for communication and political discourse? And clearly it's going to be the Internet. So why right. then was Sean Spicer and Ryan Priebus trying so hard to only talk to TV stations, only talk to that same legacy media? You know, I think that's something that Scaramucci got, and I really hope that whoever does step up to replace him also understands that. Okay, are you, are you okay with uh, Huckabee Sanders? Uh, are you okay with her? In general, you think? In, in, in general, I think she, she's okay. Um, but I would like to see somebody more dynamic in that role. I'd like to see somebody who knows how to create news cycles. I know, I'd like to see somebody who essentially knows how to go on offense with the media, with the news, with creating stories. That's something that Scaramucci, you know, like him or not, he knew how to create news. He knew how to create a news cycle, and he knew how to get these people essentially eating out of the palm of his hand. Uh, I haven't seen that same talent with Sarah Huckabee Sanders. She seems to me to be a little bit more in the vein of Sean Spicer, where it's very mm -hmm. defensive. It's, yeah. oh, I'm going to clarify that tweet. I'm going to clarify that remark, rather than simply going out and saying something on her own, going out and putting her own uh, two cents in. Where um, where you saw that in the past, it was more like a corporate communications kind of style. Indeed. Okay. And, and, and I think that that's a I think that's a right on assessment when you look at the Spicer mold and go from there. I think that assessment's right on. Now, I, I look. I, I know uh, our time is limited here, but I got to ask this question. You, you're certainly not letting any uh, moss grow under your feet here. You just got back from Europe. You're going to be in my home state of Pennsylvania speaking this week, right? Our home state, speaking in Pennsylvania? No, our week? home state, that's right. I'm going to be speaking up in Lehigh uh, to the Lehigh 912 group, which, believe it or not, is still alive and kicking. One of the last of the uh, the Tea Party 912 groups that is still alive and kicking after five, six years after being founded. Uh, they still get about 200, 300 people out to their events. They've invited me as a guest speaker this Thursday, so I'm going to bring, be up there 
Uh, remains to be seen whether or not the lovely and talented Tanya Tay will be with me, but I hope she will. And uh, it's going to be great to at least uh, get to spend another night back uh, back home under the great state of Pennsylvania. Indeed, I, I I tell you what, I'd love to love to come down and meet you face to face, shake your hand, uh, Lehigh. I don't know, that's uh, that's just where is that? North of Philly, right? I, I should know this. Yeah, that's towards um, that's toward Allentown. Toward Allentown, that's right, that's right. I've, I've driven through there, I think, so many times. But okay, well, kind of uh, switching gears here, Jack. Uh, I know we only got about ten minutes left. The John McCain uh, coming back to the the Senate well, and the lack of the Congress's ability to get anything done with the repeal or replacing of Obamacare. Do you think uh, John McCain is, is just being an obstructionist? I saw your tweet the yeah. other day <laughs> about you or somebody else overhearing McCain saying, let's see Trump try to make America great now after he turned down the Obamacare uh, repeal vote. Yeah, and, and y- yucking it up with the uh, with the Democrats. It kind of reminded yeah. me from... Uh, uh, from that line from, from Moby Dick, you know, when he, when, uh, when Captain Ahab yells, from hell's heart I stab at thee, you know, to, uh, <laughs> uh, it just, it just kind of seems like that. Is you're going to come back and have this great, you know, medical breakthrough and, and be able to come back to work and that's great and we love that, but why would he come back to do something like that, you know? Yeah, you know, it, it, I, I thought of you as well uh, when he did that. I thought of uh, our, a couple of our other guests. It, 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 you know, when you see the the videos, the uh, previous 2010, he's repeal and replace, man. He, I mean, he's on the bandwagon to get get to destroy Obamacare, and and he shows up uh, last week. 2016. So we we found an ad of his from 2016. It's not even a year old. It's like six months old, saying right. that he is leading the fight to end Obamacare. Uh, yeah, I, I, I mean, I'm confused, man. I got, I, I've got, um, I've got whiplash when it comes to that. When the, that guy, yeah, yeah. and many people were worried about the uh, the congressional recess or or summer break in August about not getting anything done by then. Uh, what do you do? You see them even? Is Obamacare going to have to collapse either by Trump defunding it or letting it go, or do you think these people will be able to come together and get something, at least a repeal, on the books? Well, I, to, to first mention, the, uh, respond to the first comment, you know, I'm starting with John McCain. I'm starting to get the impression that in 2008, John McCain voted for Barack Obama. I think <laughs> we've all kind of understood yeah. that by now. And then yeah. secondly, I, I'm not sold on the fact that Trump has ever really supported any of these repeal bills. And here's, here's my take on it. When Donald Trump supports something, anything, whether it be a building project, whether it be one of his legislative appeals, whether it be something on the stump, What's the first thing he does? He puts his name on it. He calls it Trump something or other, right? And we haven't seen him do that with any of these bills. You notice the way he talks about them. He says, well, I hope Paul Ryan and Mitch McConnell will have success with their bill today. You know, he always kind of distances himself, just a little bit, but distances himself from it. He says, this is the Republican bill, not this is the Trump bill. So part of me is wondering, is it not his idea, his you know strategy all along, to sort of weaken and weaken and weaken the Republicans' hand by letting them get a chance to do it and knowing it's not going to pass, and then to come around and say, well, let's see if Donald Trump can come up with something. You know, it's sort of a negotiation strategy. And when it comes down to it, Donald Trump, when it comes to deals, he's a predator. He's an yes. absolute predator. This is where he's in. Uh, he's got his home court advantage. He's in his environment. So I could see with something as complex and as big as Obamacare, he knows 
that he can't make the first proposal because if he does, they'll walk right over it. But if he waits until the other side's hand is a little bit weaker after suffering legislative defeat after legislative defeat, then he can come along and propose something, put his name on it, and suddenly he has a lot more leverage to get them all behind it. Indeed. Okay. And, and that that makes sense. That's why we um, have informally termed you uh, our uh, top political analyst because it it, it just it, it makes perfect sense. And by the way, um, Jack Posobiec, author of Citizens for Trump, uh, folks, if you if you have not gotten the book Citizens for Trump: The Inside Story of the People's Movement for uh, to Take Back America, grab your copy of that book. Best uh, best journal I've ever read about the the inside strategy and movements uh, and I want to thank Jack for writing that uh, last thank couple you. of thank questions you very much guys man, man I'll tell you something it's a it's a phenomenal book and people are missing out if you don't have it you're missing out and no one's paying us to say that so that's coming right from the heart but but Jack okay um, here in a couple of minutes left what's on your heart your mind what are you most concerned with whether it be Trump I, I saw you make reference to South, uh, North Korea uh, there's so many things. Where do we turn our attention at this point? Where do you, where are you turning your attention to? You know what I like to do is I like to keep an eye on what the neocons are up to in in Washington D.C. And when I see foreign policy, uh, there's great piece in American Conservative today about how the Never Trumper Romney contingent is really uh, in control of the State Department has really gotten the Mitt Romney foreign policy team there at State Department. And I'm also hearing a lot of rumblings. I wrote a story up last week that the, ne- the neocons are pushing to have Rex Tillerson uh, be replaced with Nikki Haley. Now, I think it comes as no surprise to anybody that Rex huh. Tillerson is exactly happy with his role. He doesn't like being, you know, sort of that second banana. He, uh, he, he's been a consummate CEO for so many years of ExxonMobil, one of the most powerful companies in the world. And now he's, you know, sort of playing... Uh, on the on the second bench to President Trump. Uh, that being said, if he were to be removed, I don't think that Nikki Haley would be someone who's really been part of the Trump movement or part of the America First movement. Uh, she's someone that's very solidly aligned with neoconservatives, and we've seen that from her pushing for uh, very extreme measures in Syria. She actually said the Syria strikes were not enough when Donald Trump took that. Uh, that effort against uh, Assad with the accusations of chemical weapons. And she's made state, very, very belligerent statements when it comes to North Korea, talking about uh, directly using American military force against North Korea rather than trying to use diplomacy, trying to put leverage on the Chinese. Of course, North Korea being a huge client state of the Chinese, uh, clear avenues uh, of leverage that could be pressed there. But instead of going to that, she wants to go straight for that military option. That smacks to me a lot of what we heard of Condoleezza Rice and the Bush years. Yep. Oh yeah. Oh oh yeah. And, and I pray it doesn't come to that. And your kind of instinct. What's your gut telling you on this? I mean, you've been around these people. What's your gut telling you on this? You, you think maybe that change might happen? That the Haley. Uh, I think Tillerson. I think Tillerson will be on the way out. Um, I could potentially see uh, Jeff Sessions moving over to. Um, uh, the Homeland Security stepping in for Kelly. Uh, when it comes to Trump, I think he's all about rewriting rules and all about um, sort of having that chaos candidate. I actually spoke to somebody in the White House earlier today, and he said, I said, hey, you guys, you know, worried about all these change-ups? And he said, Jack, I lived through, 
you know, three campaign managers and how many chiefs on the campaign. This is this is just Monday in Trump world. <laughs> and that that my friend is why you write the great books. And uh I was going to say make the the big bucks, but uh most assuredly write the great books because uh, yeah. <laughs> someday. Hey, hey Jack, thank you so much for appearing. Um God bless you, my friend, and I'm glad you got back home safe and have a great Thursday uh, at uh, at uh, the 912 event, Lehigh, right? Lehigh, Pennsylvania. Have yep, that's good. Thank you so All much, right, brother. Thanks for thanks for agreeing to come on with us. You're you're always the best, and we really appreciate it, man. Right, God bless you, my friend. Thanks, guys. God bless. All right, man. Have a good night. Yeah. See, see this is why. I mean, he knows where he knows these people, uh, Joe, and. Well, he's been involved in this since, uh, you know, since Trump was yeah. just a nominee yeah. in the Republican Party. And, uh, from there to getting the nomination to winning the election to seeing the transition and inauguration. He's somebody who, um, has been working in the inner circles there, uh, since the, he, since the beginning of this. So yeah, if was, anybody knows, he's going to know firsthand exactly what it is that's going on. I, I was going to ask him what, what he thought the like MSNBC would run with today and such but but you know it doesn't really matter because you know that they already have their 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 talking their script mm-hmm. already so really it, it, bad optics but as he said just another monday in trump land in the know? uh there's a, a one of the more recent polls out from Rasmussen saying that trump's approval rating is only at 40% i saw that i don't believe those polls and i mean how can you believe any poll you read online after the barrage of of crap we were fed during the uh, last election cycle. Every single poll ever invented online had Hillary Clinton ahead 99.9%, you know, with a, a, a margin of error of, you know, 0.5% that, you know, it was a lock. The election was a lock for her. She was going to win. <laughs> yeah. There's no way she could lose. And, you know, Trump couldn't, um, he never even had the, the support in the first place to run, let alone win. Well, every poll on the internet and otherwise was proven wrong. And it just shows you how they're manipulated. But when you get down to the looking into what polls consist of, you know, who was, who was, uh, asked the questions, what were their party affiliations and, you know, what were their, you have to look at the metrics of the poll, you know, the, the classes, income level, the party affiliations, especially if it's a political question. That's true. And then you see yeah. who, how many versus, you know, if they're asking people, do you like Trump? And they're asking, you know, seven uh, out of 10 people are Democrats. You're going to have a skewed poll. More so than if you ask, you know, each uh, party affiliates individually or just as much, you know, five to five. But it's kind of like asking people, um, you know, that that are walking into Planned Parenthood if they support. Uh, well, speaking you, of Planned Parenthood, you get my drift. And I, by the way, I just want to say thank you, John Robertson, for getting hold of uh, to getting hold of Jack, and thank you, Jack. And folks, uh, send Jack a, a, a tweet message or t- message on Twitter. Tell him you heard him on our show and uh thank him for appearing with us i mean again just off a plane from europe tired dragging his butt he's got a million things to do and he said yeah i will come on and his book by the way citizens for trump fantastic read and i'm not just saying that because well we don't get paid for saying that but it's a fantastic read go ahead joe just uh before we take a break and get to pastor langford and steve quayle I don't know how many people saw this article from the Daily Caller. Betrayal. Left-wingers furious with Democrats' support for pro-life candidates. Uh. The Democratic Party is facing a revolt from the left after the Democratic Congressional Campaign Committee, the DCCC, 
said the party would back pro-life candidates in 2018. Uh, Representative Ray Lugin told The Hill that there will not be a litmus test for candidates on the subject of abortion. The comments come as Democrats attempt to rebuild a broken party that has uh, that was uh, tore up from the, the last state and local and national elections. Uh, the DCCC goes on to say, I'm afraid I'll be withholding support for the DCCC if this is true, saying the, yep. to those who are going to not support candidates because of their pro-life stand. And it goes on to say here, you know, what better strategy than to betray the base their base and reaffirm that women's rights are negotiable and disposable, reducing the rights of those with childbearing capacity to a mere matter of opinion is utterly unconscionable, declared the new Republic writer Rachel Cole, adding that the Democratic Party is in fact saying that there's no litmus test regarding their colleague support of a basic bodily autonomy. Terrible. Uh, this is a betrayal of every woman who has ever supported the Democratic Party. Betrayal, this is garbage. Butt. This is not women's uh-huh. reproductive health rights. It's just whole... It's just murder. Out, outright murder of babies. Folks, we're going to be right back with Pastor yep. David Langford and Steve Quill. I'm passing the baton to Joe. He's going to handle Pastor Langford and uh, uh, Steve Quill because I've got a family commitment until tomorrow. God bless. Remember, send Jack Pasupic a tweet. I know we're running over on the uh, network time, but oh well. We'll be right back. Don't go anywhere. Greenovative. Go to agmanreport.com. Click on the link to Greenovative. What Greenovative is, it's a small company in Florida. They created something called the GMAG Power Cell. It produces electricity by adding salt water to this unit that recharges rechargeable batteries. It's the coolest thing you'll ever see in your life. It's really neat. Really a, a super device. All right, You need just two teaspoons of ordinary table salt, a little water, but a bang, you're charging your rechargeable batteries. Super GMAG chargeable is affordable. It's lightweight, weighs about 8 ounces. It's durable. It's EMP proof. And it's environmentally friendly. Yeah, that it is. It'll provide safe and convenient power for recharging uh, six AA batteries off the grid when other power sources aren't available anywhere, anytime, in any weather, day or night. Go to greenovative.com. That's greenovative.com. Folks, in these uncertain times, it just makes sense to have a sustainable backup method for accomplishing one of life's most important tasks, and that's preparing food. This is the way to go. There is nothing better than a Minuteman rocket stove from MinutemanStove.com. We all need a way to cook and a method to process water. I mean, think about it. Think about the many things that could happen to you. Minuteman rocket stove can provide your family or group the perfect solution. It's small, lightweight, wood-burning, and every bit as powerful as a kitchen stove. It's smoke fully self-contained for clean storage and transport because it's so efficient it cuts down on your wood gathering and processing chores to a tenth what would be required if cooking the old-fashioned way over an open fire so don't rely on gas or fuel stoves prepare your family prepare for yourself order a Minuteman rocket stove today it's going to make bad times much better folks minutemanstove.com minutemanstove.com need I say more you should have a Minuteman, the survival stove in an M.O.K. 
For investors, timberland has become the symbol of safety. Global tropical timber demand continues to surge as the world's population increases. The need for managed, sustainable timber production forests has never been greater. When stock markets crash, trees keep growing. Direct ownership of fully managed tropical timberland acreage is now available to accredited investors. Prime, valuable hardwood groves close to the beautiful Costa Rican border generate and maintain superior long-term wealth. Consider visiting our forest plantations. Qualified, accredited investors should go to PreciousTimberProfits.com or dial 855-888-6288 for more information. Call 855-888-6288 or visit PreciousTimberProfits.com. This announcement does not constitute either an offer to sell securities or a solicitation of an offer to purchase. Offering made by prospectus only. 855-888-6288, PreciousTimberProfits.com. PreciousTimberProfits.com. Back, ladies and gentlemen, to this Monday edition of the Hagman Report. We got two very special guests coming up together: uh, Pastor David Langford from the Voice of Evangelism and Steve Quill from SteveQuill.com. They used to come on together uh, very uh, quite often, and we would do a number of special shows. Uh, as we talked about at the beginning of this show, we were just reminiscing about the the spiritual Sunday shows where we did uh, five in a row, where we were doing communion and uh, We've done, uh, Pastor Langford and Steve have done a number of fantastic shows here on the Hagman Report, and we have them for the rest of the show, and uh, really looking forward to, to hearing the both of them together again. Pastor Langford, are you with us? Yes, sir, I am. Awesome, great to hear? have you. Steve. Great. Yeah, we, we can hear you good. Steve, are you there? I am here. Awesome. It's great to have the two of you back on together. It's been a while since we've... Since we've done this, Steve, I'm going to turn it over to you and, and let you bring bring in this segment. Well, thank you. And I, number one, I want to thank everybody before David and I uh, get going on where we believe the Lord is leading us for registering for the Branson Conference. As of now, actually as of, I guess, yesterday, it's sold out. And due to the fact that it's sold out, we will be offering live streaming. And even that's starting to get very, very um, hot and heavy. So I think it's important that when I say hot and heavy, I mean a lot of people are registering for it. It's going to be critical that the information, it's not just Joe, Doug, and David, that the information I'm going to be bringing about, if you will, the central cord of creation, the cover-up and cover-over of history. But when Jesus said, Lo, I come in the volume of books, it is written of me to do thy will, O God. I think people uh, don't understand the depth of that statement because the great libraries of the world, which were destroyed so many times, not only did, do we have, excuse me, the... Uh, prophets and the judges of Israel and the testimony of Abraham and the patriarchs of Moses, etc. The thing that's critical is that people understand so they can give an account of their faith. And I think it's critical that people recognize that there's only one thing that's going to break the chain of personal bondage, national bondage, and global bondage, and prepare us for the coming global war against Christians, and that's the anointing of the living God through His Holy Spirit. 
And, you know, Joe Duggan and David, I was praying before uh, the, the meeting uh, that we are having tonight on the air, and I want to share something that God dropped into my spirit. I know that, you know, I try and make sure my heart is right before the Lord before I come on the air, because people need a touch from Jesus. And we're going to talk tonight about the war against Jesus. But the oldest lie in history, this is what I wrote out, you guys, the oldest lie in history of mankind has become the greatest promise of deception in fallen humanity's war against God and in wanting to become God. And so I'm going to, excuse me, I'm going to read Genesis 3, 1 through 8, uh, Pastor Langford and everyone, and then I'm going to turn it over to David. Now the serpent, this is talking about, excuse me, I'm fighting some crud again. Now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said unto the woman, Yea, hath God said, Ye shall not eat of every tree of the garden? And the woman said unto the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden. But of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, Ye shall not eat of it, neither shall ye touch it, lest ye die. And the serpent said unto the woman, Ye shall not surely die, for God doth know that in the day that ye eat thereof, then your eyes shall be opened, and ye shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree to be desired to make one wise, she took of the fruit thereof, and did eat, and gave also unto her husband with her, and he did eat. And the eyes of them both were open, they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves aprons. And they heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord, their God, amongst the trees of the garden. So we have the promise, and the oldest lie is that they ye shall not surely die. And everything that the billionaires, zillionaires, and the front page of Drudge is leading to is a fact that people want to live forever apart from Jesus Christ, having their own, uh, I guess you'd say, perversions, perplexions and the life to be the gods that they don't realize will only lead to their destruction. And unfortunately, the Christians have uh, uh, basically abetted that and won't deal with the real issues in life. And, and I don't know, Pastor David, if you had time to see the latest, uh, what was it, Joe and Doug, you probably saw the article, the latest poll about how many Christians, uh, quote, pastors in the puke pits don't even believe in Jesus or they don't basically believe that uh, any, what is it, 70% don't take the word of God literally, and so tonight uh, in our presentation we're going to talk about the war against Jesus, but unfortunately whether they're, um, you know, uh, Christians behaving badly, claimants who have never been Christians, people who basically have turned their back on God, people who think God's through with them, whatever the excuse or whatever the reason, the war against the name of Jesus is in full force. And it's fascinating because we're at the point now where God is going to say, choose ye this day whom ye will follow. Pastor? So true, Stephen. So well said. Regretfully, you know, the only thing the devil ever attacks is the truth. So someone just came out to the day and said, you know, the King James Version of the Bible has been tampered with, and on and on and on in this Mandela effect. Everything Satan is after and attacks is the truth. So that ought to give you a heads up. Whatever he's attacking, whatever he's assaulting, should let you know very quickly that there is veracity, there's authenticity, and there is truth in what he is seeking to to d d disguise or lie about or whatever his, his purpose or intent there is. 
You know, I let I read today uh, in Portland, Oregon, where the, the fake news is so renowned in reporting that a man has had a baby. This transgender man, woman slash, it's the most confusing thing I've ever seen. But anybody with any common sense knows that a man does not have a uterus. A man does not have ovaries. A man does not have fallopian tubes. He cannot have a child. So this woman has engrossed herself with sexual hormones, and we have H-O-R-R-O-R through that. And, And so it's a literal horror, and yet the news goes right along with these people saying, yes, that is a man having a baby. That's not true. And now, of course, in Canada, uh, if you don't call the transgender, if she says she is now a woman but was a man and you don't use the right pronoun, you can be arrested and thrown into jail because she's claiming she is a she when in reality he is a he, but you don't recognize her as a her or a she, a female pronoun. And so it's all getting more and more skewed. And Steve and I were talking earlier today before the program, and the Bible tells us in 2 Timothy 3, 1, This know also that in the last days perilous times shall come. And uh, I was reading some time ago under Bullinger, and the word perilous there is hard, difficult, and grievous. Now think about the word grievous. The Holy Spirit And the Word of God, which is a book that is alive and well and lives and functions, is grieved to no end. Ephesians 4.30, Paul said, And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby you are sealed until that day of redemption. The lifestyle of so many in America today and so many so-called professing Christians is grievous. Their lifestyle grieves the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost, John sixteen thirteen. Jesus said, How be it, when he, the Spirit of truth, is come, he will guide you into all truth. The only thing the Holy Ghost can tell you is truth. The only thing the devil can tell you is a lie. John eight forty four. He was a murderer from the beginning, and a not in the truth, for there is no truth in him. When he speaketh a lie, he speaketh of his own, for he is a liar and the father of it. So the Spirit of Truth is the Holy Ghost. He's always going to tell you the Holy Ghost, the truth. The Word of God is always going to tell you the truth. But Satan, his minions, and his emissaries are always going to tell you a lie and going to attack the truth, just like the passage Steve shared there in Genesis 3. And the serpent said to the woman, You shall not surely die. But she did. Now, they didn't fall over dead physically, but they died spiritually. And so, as Steve well said, now men are seeking eternal life spiritually through Satan and Luciferian doctrine and, and, and the demons and, 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 and powers of darkness instead of the light, which is Jesus Christ. And, of course, Paul told us in 2 Timothy 3.13, but evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. Now think about that statement. First of all, he said they would be seducers. What happens to someone when they're seduced? Well, they fall into some type of error. They have been led astray uh, in some mode or some method. And then he said they would wax worse and worse. In other words, it is a process, and it's a waxing process, 
and they get worse and worse, and they get so bad off, they turn into the personification of deception, deceiving and being deceived. Now think about that. Evil men, and we're, we're, we're witnessing them today, and seducers shall wax worse and worse, deceiving. So these evil people intentionally, willfully, blatantly seek to deceive us. And not only are they seeking to deceive us, but they themselves are being deceived in a far greater way. And so that's why the church is in the the, the sad shape that it's in, because men no longer preach the Word of God. Peter tells us in Second Peter 2 and 18, For when they spake great swelling words of vanity, they allure through the lust of the flesh. Through much wantonness, those that were clean escaped from them who live in error. While they promised them liberty, they themselves are the servants of corruption. For of whom a man is overcome, of the same is he brought into bondage. So these these anemic, immature, weak Christians, saints, whatever you want to call them, are lured, seduced by these men through great swelling words of vanity. And Peter said they allure through the lust of the flesh. You've heard me say this. People are sitting there watching television. There's a spirit of covetousness on that preacher, whether it be a male or a female. They're making their appeal for monetary purposes. That same spirit of covetousness that lives in their hearts bears witness with the spirit of covetousness that's in the viewer. And so they think they're getting a true witness of truth. What they're getting is a witness of fallacy. And because they cannot discern the truth. I heard a preacher just last week, I believe it was, I shared this with Steve. He said one of the great skills, skill sets missing in the church is discernment. I got news for you. Discernment is not a skill set. Discernment is a gift of the Holy Ghost. You can't be taught it. You can't mimic it. Well, the devil may try to mimic it, but you as a believer, either you have it or you don't. If you have it, it's because the Spirit of God is living in you. And you get a witness somewhere deep in your spirit. That is error. That is erroneous. That is a mendacity. That is a, a fallacy. It's a heretical teaching. And yet all of these so-called Christians are falling for this garbage. And one of the greatest problems is preachers will not say one word about sin. Yet they promise people eternal life. And that's why what Steve said is so significant. These men are seeking eternal life. And the only way to have eternal life is through the blood of Jesus Christ. We must repent. Jesus said in John six forty four, No man can come unto me except the Father which has sent me draw him, and I will raise him up in the last days. If the Spirit of God, the Spirit of grace, does not reach out to you and make an appeal for your soul... You, you can't come to the knowledge of Christ. It's the love of God, the grace of God, that reaches out to a fallen men and, and invites us. It's an invitation. Matthew eleven twenty eight. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me. 
for I am meek and lowly in heart, and you shall find rest unto your souls, for my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. The yoke of the world is bondage. Peter said, while they promised them liberty, they themselves are the servants of corruption. These people are corrupt. They serve corruption, and their lives are corrupt. And those that give heed to them are overcome, and they're brought into the same bondage that those purveyors are. The same bondage these purveyors live under, the people who listen to them, submit to them, they're brought under that same bondage, whatever it is. And, and there's all types of spiritual bondage. So, so Peter is clear, the Apostle Peter, they allure them through the lust of the flesh, and they promise them liberty, but they don't give them liberty. When Jesus Christ saves a man or a woman, and they are truly washed in the blood of the Lamb, there is a freedom, there's a heaviness, there's a cumbersome, there's a there, 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 there's a, 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 a an awakening, a freedom and a liberty that comes into a person's life. You know, anybody that's really um, had an encounter with God and confessed their sins and said, God, I'm sorry for my sin, forgive me, a sinner, uh, wash me, cleanse me, they go down burdened, hurt, harmed, all sorts of, just all sorts of stuff in their life. But they get up clean clean like a, a, a fresh snow, a fresh rain. Clean. Why? Because the Word of God, the Spirit of God, sanctifies the believer and sets them apart from the world. You know, uh, Paul, the Apostle, uh, he made a very uh, profound statement in Second Thessalonians 2 and 13. He said, But we are bound to give thanks always to God for you, brethren, beloved of the Lord, because God, now listen to this, because God hath from the beginning chosen you to salvation through sanctification of the Spirit and belief of the truth. What, what, is that, what, is that, what does all of that mean? Let me give you a little synopsis real quickly. You walk into a, a church, a Spirit-filled church, where the Word of God is preached, and the Spirit of the Lord is there. And all of a sudden, the Spirit of God begins to move on your heart. That truth that you're beginning to hear, you're getting that witness from the Spirit, Paul said, through sanctification of the Spirit and belief of the truth. The Spirit of truth is convincing you what you're hearing, what you're sensing, what you are feeling is truth. And therefore, he's starting to sanctify you. Now, what does that mean? That means to be set apart. He's sanctifying you through the Spirit and through the truth and getting ready for what? To bring you into redemption, to bring you into salvation. So Paul says, God hath from the beginning chosen you to salvation through sanctification of the Spirit and belief of the truth, whereunto he called you by our gospel to the obtaining of the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. So once you believe that gospel that's been preached, accept that, now you're going to begin to obtain the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. And of course, in the end, we'll all receive a glorified body if we endure to the end. Uh, Romans eight eighteen, Paul said, For I reckon that the sufferings of this present time is not worthy to be compared to the glory that shall be revealed in us. Uh, Colossians 3, 4, When Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then shall you appear also with him in glory. You see, this is, this is what we're striving for. This is why it's so important to contend for the faith, as Jude said. And lay aside 
the weights. Lay aside the sins. Make up your mind. Have purpose. Have intent. I'm going to finish my course like Paul the Apostle, and I'm going to finish with joy. But see, when you have something, that's when the thief comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. When you have nothing, the thief doesn't bother you. The, 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 a, a natural thief does not go to a vacant, empty warehouse. No. He goes where there's uh, uh, security devices, detection devices. Why? He knows there's value there. That's what he's trying to get into. He looks at you. He sees the mark. He sees the seal of God on your life, and he's trying to steal what God has given you. And, and, and so we can't give place to the devil. Ephesians 4:27, Paul said, "Neither give place to the devil, nor let the sun go down upon your your wrath." You can't make room. You can't make provision. And, and regretfully, when we don't pray as we should, when we don't read our Bibles as we should, we start making room. We start giving place for Satan to come in and have a place of residence in our lives. And he sets up shop very quickly. And while he's setting up shop, he's killing. He's stealing. He's destroying and trying to hurt us in every possible way. Because he doesn't come with any, any good intents. Well, he might show you a, a lot of glitter. Uh, that fish, when he sees that spark in the water, that lure, and, 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 and the fish goes after it, they're caught. But that's what caught their eye was that, that lure. And, and Satan is trying to allure you into a place, a position, a posture where he knows in the end he will ultimately destroy your soul without Jesus Christ. Stephen, we'll give it back to you, brother. Well, thank you. <clears throat> Ladies and gentlemen, I posted on my website today, and I want you to read it. It's, Is Your Pastor Actually Born Again, and Are You? Now, I, I want to go through these percentages, David and Joe, because they're shocking. And this is by somebody, I don't know who they are, Taylor and uh, Jesse Lynn, so I'd give them credit and attribution. This is off of Charisma News. But this is just uh, illustrating, David, uh, your statements and uh, in reading the Word of God. Some shocking findings of the survey indicate that many, 75% believe that mankind is not made up of sinners and that man is basically good. Wrong. Rohr said just barely more than half believe that Jesus lived a sinless life. Wrong. And 42% believe that Satan is not real, but more as symbol evil. Wrong. Based on these findings, how healthy can we say the American church really is? How can salt be salt and light be light when we don't believe those things? Now, something pointed out here, he, the author of this says, Matthew seven twenty two twenty three, where Jesus said, this is, you know, as we come before him uh, at the judgment seat of Christ or the great white throne judgment, this would be at the great white throne judgment for those who are playing church, many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name? Have we not cast out demons in your name and done many wonderful works in your name? But then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye who practice evil. Now, it's important that people understand tonight that, as I'm reading this, uh, you guys, from, from the Charisma article, over on the right, millionaire gay activist declares war on Christians with three awful words. Uh, why you may want to stop buying Coca-Cola right now, if you take a look at the amount of uh, people that are, are being, uh, I guess you'd say, sucked into the machine, 
it's astonishing. Now, I'm going to say something, and, you know, David, I caught flack, and I don't apologize for it in any way, shape, or form. When I called it the pickpockets and the pulpits and the, uh, oh, um, I, I forget the other one I used, uh, but, but the point being is that, you know, we're not to shake down the people of God. Now, listen, here's an interesting psalm. I, I'm, you know, well, ladies and gentlemen, I'll let you know the point that I usually make with Dave, and we usually talk on the phone uh, quite a bit through the week, unless he's traveling and I'm traveling, but the point is, is that I am astonished at the number of Christians that almost say Jesus under their breath, if they even can say Jesus at all. Psalm 107, 1 through 3, what a great thing. Oh, give thanks unto the Lord, for he is good, for his mercy endures forever. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so, whom he hath redeemed from the hand of the enemy, and gathered them out of the lands from the east and from the west, from the north and from the south. No one will win anyone to Jesus by being afraid to testify of Jesus. Now, obviously, I know that people who don't know Jesus won't testify. I know that I had to invent a word, a claimant to Christianity, not even professing, because in essence, people have abandoned the faith, and the scripture says that giving seed, excuse me, giving heed, H-E-E-D, to seducing spirits, and the seduction is stronger and stronger. Now, let me clarify something. We are facing not only a, a genetic Armageddon moment, we're facing the time where even Christians, Pastor Langford, uh, Joe, are embracing the doctrine of transhumanism. They're embracing this thought that God didn't know what he was doing, number one, that God made mistakes, that men in, in, in godly ascension, in other words, we shall be gods, can do a better job than the God who created us. I would remind them that God created everything out of nothing simply by speaking, let there be light, and these guys all still have to uh, manipulate or acquire that which God had already made. But as the war on Jesus increases, this is the thing that gets to me, and I will choose my words carefully so I don't have to repent. Where is the, where are, that would be a more correct way of saying it, are the people that will stand up, speak up, and, and take these guys on head to head? We have Congress, and we have the Senate, and the majority of them claim they're Christians, and if, if God were to expose, and listen, if God were to expose any of our sins, we'd all look pretty bad, but the point is, is that when we come to Jesus, and we, and we repent of our sins, and the blood of the living God, God, through his lamb that was slain before the foundation of the world, covers us. He remembers our sin no more. But it, what, what's astonishing is, is that look at the yielding. Remember this, ladies and gentlemen, Congress and the Senate are the ones that gave the devil his highway to hell and provided uh, asphalt, and I'll, I'll spell it. <laughs> no, no, I can't do that. I, I, I spell a little differently. Asphalt meaning pavement. And these guys who are, uh, I would say, kissing cousins to donkeys and probably each other that are so involved in such uh, darkness that they're mostly compromised. There are exceptions. And Pastor David, you know, too, that we're seeing now uh, uh, just a rebellion, even quote from quote, Christians who want to get along to be the friends of the world that they might see that God is love and love is God and that God loves everybody. That's a lie. It's a total 
before men, I'll deny you before my Father which is in heaven. I have, I, I'm going to, no, I won't do this, but I want to, okay? Stand under, Steve. I want to post all my emails from cowards. Now, obviously, they have their unknown this, unknown that, anonymous this, anonymous that, or they have pen names or whatever names. But you know I get the most flack from? I get flack from people claiming to be followers of Jesus, and then they want to argue with me, David, over his name. Got one of those today. Well, the J wasn't in the alphabet. Listen, there's only one name given amongst men that can, under heaven that can be saved, and that's at the name of Jesus. People will fight over the name of Jesus more than they'll fight the powers of hell that are beheading their brethren, our brethren, that we have... Christians, all of you know, we're all members of one body that hang in the meat markets, in other words, butchered, cannibalized. We have those who claim to be Christians not speaking out against Pedagate. My understanding is he who seeks, he who won't speak out against it is probably compromised by it. I'll say that one more time. He, now I'm talking in claiming to be Christians. Where is the salt of the earth? Where is the light of the world? And ladies and gentlemen, this is tonight about Jesus Christ. And this is about the Redeemer. And this is about the attempt to cover him up, blot him out. Well, the Romans tried and everybody's tried since and it doesn't happen. But the time is coming and is now here where those things which were prophesied, those things which were spoken about by the prophets, those things the scripture says even the prophets long to look into, they're here in your lap. There's no more, I guess you'd say, foretelling, there's no more warning, it's all here. Uh, and I'll tell you point blank, you know, the next thing, and, and it's funny, isn't it, because Adam and Eve were at least smart enough to, you know, try and cover themselves with fig leaves, everybody's trying to shed their clothes and cover themselves with body paint, and next thing to go will be the body paint. And it will be truly stated that mankind now stands completely naked before God. And what, you know, David, I think this is going to be apparent at uh, Branson, just the realm of uh, uh, deception that has been over us. And I'm under the impression that the books that Daniel was told to seal up are now being opened. And I'm not talking about the book of life, and I'm not talking about the book of all of our deeds. I'm talking about those hidden things that the devil has used to basically basically uh, 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 neutralize Christians, deceive Christians, and then they'll have a choice. But the thing that concerns me, Pastor, is, is that the majority of those who profess to be Christians, please, everybody, if you go to a church that the guy that's in the pulpit, oh, I know what I called it, I call it the puke pit, if you go there, you, you're going to have to account to the Lord God, because somebody said, well, that's very harsh. I said, that's Jesus. Jesus said, if you're lukewarm, he'll spew you out. Spew means vomit. And I don't think people understand that. To most people, vomit is disgusting, except to a dog that returns to it. But the point is, is that we're now watching the absolute neuterized, or neutering of uh, not only the men of God, we're watching the, uh, if you will, the rise of the uh, uh, oh, uh, Amazon queens. And you need to read Edgar Rice Burroughs to understand understand what I mean by that, but the point is, is that the idea of we will not have this man rule over us in the second psalm is the same thing that the women's movement is absolutely glorying in. So at this point in history, I'm going to give it to you now, David, we have to take a stand for Jesus. 
please, there is nothing, nothing that can deliver us outside of the blood of the Lamb. And Jesus has, you know, I, I've heard this, David. Well, and you know, I've, I've, I've brought this out for over 20 years. If you were really telling the truth, you'd be dead. Well, I'm telling you this. If it weren't for the intercessors and the prayer warriors, I would be dead. But because of that, and not just me, everybody, it's Satan's desire to kill every last man, woman, and child who's a Christian, and not before he plunders everything he can plunder. It's just like when the LGBT uh, took over the rainbow. I want to share why they did that. They did that because it was God's symbol and covenant. And when they took it over, I'll make it easy for everyone, they were saying, we're taking his covenant and we're mockingly making it our own. And I can tell you this, that um, uh, there's going to be such a shaking coming upon the earth, and maybe we'll get to that as, as the Lord leads in the second hour, but just because the political arena is shaking, the earth is shaking, the volcanoes, the heavens are shaking, all signs of wonders are, 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 are dazzling people and causing great fear. We're in that time now where 25 years ago, most people believed they'd never see it in their lifetime, and quite candidly, people had better get uh, uh, their hearts right with Jesus and repent. I love the word repent. I say this, the most powerful word in the universe. Go ahead, Pastor. Amen, Steve. The most two beautiful words are redemption and repentance. You repent, yes, sir. you redeem. Those two go together. Um, you know, you made the statement there that people say if you were telling the truth, you would not be alive. alive. Well, think about this. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego just denied the, uh, to, to fall down the king, to fall down and worship him and call him God. And they were put into the fiery furnace, but they didn't die either. So God confers life. I don't care who you are listening tonight, you will only die when it's God's will and time for your life. You won't die prematurely unless you do something stupid like uh, go up to a mountain and jump off a cliff, you know, 50,000 feet high and commit suicide. God is in control of your life if you are led by the Spirit. If you love God, you serve God, God has, has got a plan for your life, no matter whether something may be happening that might be a little bit bad or negative right now or, or whatever the case might be. Job was a righteous man, but it was the devil that was uh, attacking him. It was not God. It was the devil. But getting back to the, the numbers, Steve, from that Charisma article, the Bible says in Romans three twenty three, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Well, that, if all is everyone, then all have sinned. You see, here's the problem with modern Christianity. Well, that's, he's a good guy. He, he's this, he's that. No, the question is, are you born again? No, I'm a Baptist. No, I'm a Presbyterian. Well, I'm a Methodist. I'm a Seventh-day Adventist. Well, I, I'm, I'm a UPC. I'm Church of God. I'm Assemblies of God. Hey, are you washed in the blood of Jesus Christ? That's the question. Are you walking with God according to his word? You know, uh, David, the Old Testament, you, you can see David's faith and the grace of God that was to come. You know, uh, you have to read very closely in the Old Testament to recognize when these men were making certain statements, unctioned, by the way, by the Holy Ghost. And if you would look closely when they would make cert certain statements, you would know they knew that the law was not good enough, that the law would not suffice. Because had it, had it sufficed, they would not have made some of the 
the, the statements that they made. So David, uh, in, uh, in, in Psalms 51, is, is a great uh, passage in his repentance. And he says uh, in verse 16, For thou desirest not sacrifice, else would I give it. Thou delightest not in burnt offerings. Uh, listen to what David said. For thou desirest not sacrifice. All of the sacrificial animals that had been slain, all the millions of gallons of blood that was shed, David knew by the Holy Ghost that was not what God was looking for. For thou desirest not sacrifice, else would I give it. If that's really what you wanted, God, I would do that. But that would never pay my, my debt of sin. Thou delightest not in burnt offerings. Well, I thought that's what the law was about. But see, that's why people don't understand the law. Then he says in verse 17, The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and a contrite heart, O God, thou wilt not despise. What is brokenness? It's repentance. It's remorse. It's sorrow for our sins. In verse 3, Psalms 51, 3, For I acknowledged my transgressions, and my sin is ever before me. He knew who committed the, the ungodly act. He did. Then he says in verse 4, Against thee, thee only, have I sinned, and done this evil in thy sight, that thou mightest be justified when thou speakest, and be clear when thou judgest. So, you can see the little nuances in some of the statements that they would make under the Old Testament saying, we know this is not good enough, we're looking for something better. Uh, John 1, 17, for the law was given by Moses, but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. Uh, now let's, let's look at the, uh, we said Romans three twenty three. all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Uh, Psalms 103, 10, David said, he hath not dealt with us after our sins, nor rewarded us according to our iniquities. Now, what do you think God should have done to David for adultery and murder? Was he dealt with the, the punitive punishment that he should have received? No. He got grace. Yes, he said, the sword will never leave your house. But David knew that that would not satisfy sin's debt. See, Psalms 130, verses 3 and 4. If thou, Lord, shouldest mark iniquities, Lord... Who shall stand? But there is forgiveness with thee, that thou mayest be feared. In other words, God, if you stood at a chalkboard with a piece of chalk, and you marked our sins, who could stand? Nobody. Why? Because that would never pay sin's debt. Whatever you do, whatever I would do, whatever David would do, whatever Moses did, whatever all those high priests did in the temple, that never paid in full sin's debt. It took the blood of Jesus Christ, spotless, royal, red, crimson blood that would pay and atone for sin. The day of atonement, the day of atonement, Yom Kippur, the day when God would pay sin's debt through his son, Jesus Christ. Now, for me to sit here and tell you I understand why God did it that way, I would be dishonest, I would be lying, I, I, would, be, I would be so unrealistic, but it's more than what we understand why it took Jesus Christ, his son, to pay sin's debt. But I do know this. I do know when I'm convicted, and this is the problem in this church era, there's no longer a manifestation of conviction. 
You know, when a man is convicted in a court of law of his crime, the jurors come out and they say to the judge, guilty. And then the judge meets out the punishment. They have been convicted, or that person has been convicted by those jurors. A, 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 a juror of peers have looked, listened to the defendant, listened to the plaintiff, and they've come to the conclusion, you're guilty. Well, we all stand guilty before God. There's, there's not one that's without sin. When God looks at us, we all have sin. But see, the blood, that's, that's why that blood had to be put on the mercy seat. Why was the mercy seat put over the Ark of the Covenant, covering the Ten Commandments? Because he knew the law was so demanding, so he tempered the law in the Ark of the Covenant with mercy. And then the blood was put on top of the mercy. Why, why is he doing all this? He's making sure that that day of atonement is fulfilled in its entirety, that, that, it, that it's foolproof. I reckon that's the word I'm looking for. It's foolproof. There's no other way. There's no other plan. There's no other way to be forgiven. There's no other way to be redeemed. All of these other religions, read them. Read about their authors. Uh, Muhammad, relative to Allah. Do you find redemption? Do you find a story of redemption, a story of a Savior? Buddha? Anything you want to look at, do you see that, that scenario of redemption, forgiveness? No. It just doesn't exist. And then people wonder why Christians want to sing and make melody in their heart. Why? Because they're forgiven. There's joy in their hearts, amen. Uh, Psalm, uh, Ephesians 5 and 19, speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart unto the Lord. Why? We're forgiven. We have, we have a song to sing. A song is a mere testimony. You know, I love the old hymns because these people are writing from their experiences, whether it's a crisis, whether it's been a death or something horrendous. Uh, but they write that because the Holy Spirit moved on them, and, and, and they were unctionized to speak from their heart the goodness, the greatness, the majesty of God. It's like the old hymn, Amazing Grace. How sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. Twas blind, but now I see. Well, the man wasn't physically blind. No. He wasn't physically lost. But his heart, his heart, with that, that relationship with God, that came out of him. You know, that, that, that's a great, uh, there's, a, there's a great story in the, the hymn, Amazing Grace. It's made from the black keys, the, the, the harmony the notes come from the black keys on the keyboard because it was the slaves that, that he was a master over the slave ship. And they had their, their own rhythm and their own uh, tempo and beat to, 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 to some old songs. It's believed that, I, I can't think of his name now, who wrote Amazing Grace, but he, but he heard that, them singing, and, and while he was hearing their, I should say, the rhythm, the, 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 the melody, the tone, he sat down and he wrote those because that's all the black people understood about... Uh, the keyboard was the black notes. And so he wrote that, but he was not, he's not writing about what he, being blind, as I said, in his, in his eyes, uh, physically, but it was, it was a spiritual condition. But once he had forgiveness, once he found redemption, once he repented, that's what came out of his heart. That's what came out of his life. And, and so that's the difference in people who are really born again. You know, 
I'm, I'm looking for something right now because I want to share it. John Newton. That's his name. John Newton. Amazing grace. How sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. What made him understand he was a wretch? Holy Ghost conviction. I once was lost, but now I'm found, was blind, but now I see. Twas grace that taught my heart to fear. What, 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 what gave him that fear? The grace. The grace of God. Titus 2.11, for the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared unto all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust. We should live soberly and righteously and godly in this present world, looking for the blessed hope and glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Christ Jesus. And grace, my fears, relieved. What relieved him of his fear? Grace. How precious did that grace appear the hour I first believed. As soon as he believed, something happened. Through many dangers, toils, and snares, I have already come. Every Christian pilgrim has gone through many dangers, many toils, and many snares. Tis grace that brought me safe thus far, and grace will lead me home. Think about that. That's why the song is called Amazing Grace. When we've been there 10,000 years, here's a guy that's, you know, he doesn't understand uh, uh, numbers of that magnitude, but yet in the spirit, he understands a little bit about eternity. Bright, shining as the sun. Uh, we, we, none of us can look in the sun. It's so bright. But the day that Christ returns, Zechariah, Zephaniah, these Old Testament prophets spoke about it being a day when the, it would be seven times brighter than the normal. How, how, how could a man know that? The Spirit of God that was in him. We've no less days to sing God's praise than when we first begun. Simply put, he was going to be singing, testifying, glorifying God all the way to the, to the end of his days. And he's going to be singing it just like it was the first day when he was saved. And, and he, that, see, that's a testimony. How did that happen? Because of an experience, an encounter with Jesus Christ, and the power of God touched him. You know, that's, that's why I said I, I love those old hymns. I mean, they're so powerful because they're like sermons. They're anointed with the Spirit of God, the Holy Ghost. And they just sing from what's their heart. And, and, and look at how many, uh, how many years, uh, that one song, Amazing Grace, has touched so many people. And, and I know there'll be those who'll get upset. But we've gotten away from the simplistic of the old gospel hymns. We've, we've gotten away from those old songs and we've come along with a, a secularized Christianity. And now the world has come into the church and the church has become secularized. And they don't care about the move of God anymore. You know, as a Christian, I've got to have his touch. I've got to have his presence. I have got to have him in my heart. Because without him, I'm a dead man. You know, Paul said, in him we live and we move and we have our being in Acts chapter 17. If we don't have Jesus, we don't have anything. We're just dead men walking. You know, we're just, we're just on our way to the grave. But the child of God is not on their way to a grave. I love it when Peter and Paul and Jesus all use the term, they're just asleep. The dead in Christ have just gone asleep. You know, when you're asleep, you don't know anything. 
And when the dead in Christ die, there's no goad of, of the sting of death. O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? We don't know anything about that as a Christian because we've, that we've been delivered from that sting of death. But the sinner, I believe this with all of my heart, when a sinner person dies without God, there's a goad that goes into their spirit. It's the beginning of the torments of hell, knowing they're lost without God. And there's no way to get back and get, get redeemed because your life is a probation. Once it ends, it's over with. You're either right with God or you're not. But we need to, we need to get back to the fundamentals of, of, of who we are and what we are. You know, I'm not trying to get back to Hebraic roots. I'm trying to get back to the to the foot of the cross, get back to the altar, get back in the presence of God. You know, a lot of these people that wrote these hymns, they didn't know anything about Hebraic roots. They, they, they didn't know anything about not eating pork or the Sabbath. They, all they knew was the Spirit of God convicted them and made them aware, I'm a sinner. And they just started serving God. And yes, they begin to grow in grace and in knowledge. They begin to learn things. But at that, in, at that time and point of their lives, it took an encounter with God like Paul the Apostle in Acts chapter 9 on the road uh, to Damascus. That encounter, he, that bright light shone. He said, who, who are you, Lord? Why did he call him Lord? There was something that was so so much deity in, in that presence, just right there on that road. He knew it was a God that was real and genuine and not something he had just heard about. Now he was experiencing it. You know, it was something he was he was coming to knowledge by having an encounter with that. And that's what we've got to get back to. When you get in your prayer closet, you can have an encounter with God, folks. God can touch you edify you, forgive you, cleanse you, redeem you, heal you. He's the God of all flesh, and he can do anything. Amen. Stephen, we'll give it back to you, brother. Well, thank you, David. And I'm, I'm just, I'm pondering this because the other day I was I was just thinking of, you know, all of the, that which is coming into our sphere now, where God had placed barriers to protect us because he loves us. I think that people forget that he, God, he, the Father, did not send Jesus, his son, to basically as some kind of a, an afterthought. Jesus was a Lamb of God prepared before the foundation of the world. And I want to share... Uh, uh, the lyrics to one of the most powerful, powerful hymns ever written, and obviously it's old. There is power in the blood, because Amen. I just read you the uh, statement that, that people don't believe in original sin anymore. They don't believe in the fall of man. They don't believe in the restoration of God through Jesus Christ, who is the second Adam, the recreated race. This, here's the, the words, and I love this. Would you be free from the burden of sin? There's power in the blood. Power in the blood. Would you or evil a victory win? There's wonderful power in the blood. In other words, we're all up against evil that is so unimaginable, yet the power of God is greater than that evil. There is power, power, wonder-working power in the blood of a lamb. There is power, power, wonder-working power in the precious blood of the Lamb. Would you be free from your passion and pride? There's power in the blood. There's power in the blood. Come for a cleansing to Calvary's tide. There's wonderful power in the blood. There is power, power, wonder-working power in the blood of the Lamb. There is power, 
power, wonder-working power in the precious blood of the Lamb. Would you be whiter, last verse, much whiter than snow? There's power in the blood, power in the blood. Sin stains are lost and it's life-giving flow. There's wonderful power in the blood. You know, one of the scriptures that really hit home when I was just a rank sinner and had just recently come to Jesus was when he opened my eyes to the scripture, you know, God speaking, come let us reason together. Though your sins be as scarlet, I will make them as white as wool. I'll make you whiter than wool. Is it, I'll make you or make them white as wool. Them. Hey, okay. Yeah, so the point is, thank you, David. Hey, I'm almost, I've been thinking there's going to be two stools on the platform when I speak. I'm going to be talking about what I'm talking, but if I get stuck on a scripture, I'm going to go, okay, Brother Langford, a.k.a. Strong's in person. I, I give that to you as a genuine compliment. Uh, I won't make you do that, David. <laughs> I may have an ear, Michael. What's that scripture? No. First uh, Corinthians 3, 9 through 20. Now, this is what everybody forgets. For we are laborers together with God. Ye are God's husbandry. Ye are God's building. According to the grace of God, which is given unto me, Paul speaking, as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation, another buildeth thereon. But let every man take heed how he buildeth thereupon. For other foundation can no man lay, that is, uh, excuse me, for another foundation can no man lay than that is laid, which is Jesus Christ. If you deny the Lord Jesus Christ, if you're ashamed of the Lord Jesus Christ, if you want to keep, uh, uh, you know, your friendship with the world and just say, well, I've got Jesus when I die. You don't have him now. You don't have him then. For, an, for another foundation can no man lay than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now, if any man build upon this foundation, gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, stubble, every man's work shall be made manifest. For the day shall declare it, because it shall be revealed by fire. And the fire shall try every man's work of what sort it is. If any man's work abide, which he hath built thereupon, he shall receive a reward. If any man's work shall be burned, he shall suffer loss, but he himself shall be saved. Yet so as by fire. Now here is an important one. Know ye not that you are the temple of God, and that the Spirit of God dwelleth in you? If any man defile the temple of God, him shall God destroy. For the temple of God is holy, which temple ye are. Let no man deceive himself. If any man among you seemeth to be wise in this world, let him become a fool that he may be wise. Now here's the powerful, the last two verses. For the wisdom of this world is foolishness with God. For it is written, He taketh the wise in their own craftiness. And again, the Lord knoweth the thoughts of the wise, that they are vain. He's talking about the worldly wise. Proverbs chapter 8, Jesus has made the wisdom of God towards us. Everywhere you read uh, uh, wisdom, substitute the word Jesus, because that's what we're told in 1 Corinthians. Now I'm going to get everybody's attention. I was thinking the other night, and the Lord dropped something in my spirit. I was saying, Lord, everything that is now coming to the forefront is either based on sex, and I'm not talking about godly marriage, I'm not talking about whom God has joined together, let no man uh, put asunder, but I'm talking about the flagrant, uh, if you will, uh, flaunting of a nakedness. Now listen, I was no prude, and I won't go into detail, but I know what I'm talking about in this realm. 
And they may claim it's old French, the word sex, but here's the thing. Uh, late Middle English, or Latin was sexus, S-E-X-U-S, denoting the two categories, male and female. But notice how now, David, it used to be talked about male, the male sex, the female sex, and now it's open for discussion. And instantly in my spirit, I was pondering this, and I will say this, instantly, beyond anything, I asked, I, you know, I, I just, I was pondering this, asking the Lord in my heart. I talked to God in my heart like most people should do. And the fascinating thing is, he gave me these words, Satan's extinction of the human race. Now think about that. I couldn't have made that up, you know. I mean, everything I knew about sex was, uh, you know, the right way and the wrong way, meaning, you know, in God and apart from God. But the situation that is fascinating to me, it is, in my opinion, the most powerful force in the universe because through the uh, 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 sex act in a godly manner, we get to be, if you will, procreate with God or co-create with God, but through the disturbing execution of, of, of the human race. And now I'll even go one step further. You remember 20 years ago when we first met, David, and I was talking about sex spots? Right. And the day would come. Well, you know how that went over. People said I was out of my mind and, and you know, that will never happen. Now look at this. Now the prostitutes, this is important. This isn't to titillate anyone's mind. But now the prostitutes are complaining that men are starting to prefer that over them. Now, why is that happening? Because sex bots, and I'm going to say this, since I was one of the first guys to write about it, and someone says, you're always wrong. But where were you 20 years ago when no one even thought about it? The thing that God is warning us about is that everything that God created and God wanted to uh, perpetuate, he saw that it was good, is now being destroyed. And Steve, the sex bots have... Yep. You're, ex okay. you're exactly right. Everything uh, that God has established is being attacked at the foundation, even down to the gender, man and woman, down to marriage and creating homosexual marriage, and now the uh, real versus the artificial. Folks, we're talking with Steve from uh, Steve Quill from stevequill.com and Pastor David Langford from the Voice of Evangelism. They're going to be with us in through the next hour, so don't go anywhere. You're listening to this edition of the Hagman Report. Stay tuned. Just what kind of thriller predicts the future? In three days in the belly of the beast, Daniel Holdings wrote about the God Particle before CERN actually discovered the God Particle. In As the Darkness Falls, Daniel wrote about an Islamist terrorist confederacy that rose up out of Syria and declared a caliphate three years before ISIS was ever heard of. In his newest novel, Between the Veil, Daniel talks about a space between dimensions where supernatural beings can walk. He says that these novels are a warning from the creator to his creation. Will war come to America? Will the world's economies collapse? Are we looking at increased earthquakes and volcanic activity? Will the United States fall into civil war? You can find all of Daniel's work at his website, DanielHoldings.com. That's DanielHoldings.com. All of these things and more are talked about in Daniel's books. To find out what's coming next, go to DanielHoldings.com. Worldwide demand is making coconuts one of the highest yielding cash crops available today. 
Coca-Cola, Pepsi, and many high-net-worth individuals have invested billions of dollars into coconuts for strong growth and solid long-term income. Yields could be as high as 18% or more per year. Capital appreciation and exceptional income for up to 60 long years would be an absolutely brilliant investment to pass on to future generations. Diversify wisely with direct ownership of fully managed coconuts on prime farmland close to the beautiful Costa Rican border. For more information, qualified accredited investors should go to ProfitsInCoconuts.com or phone 855-888-6288. That's 855-888-6288. This announcement does not constitute an offer to sell securities or a solicitation of an offer to purchase. Offer made by prospectus only. 855-888-6288 or visit ProfitsInCoconuts.com. ProfitsInCoconuts.com. You may never look at your city, town, or its people the same way ever again. Stained by Blood, a murder investigation based upon a true story by private investigator Douglas J. Hagman. Using the character Mark Stiles, Hagman takes you on a journey behind the scenes where the homicide becomes a secondary to an underworld of satanic ritual abuse, child abduction, and even mind-controlled experimentation. For five years, a brutal killer remained on the loose, free to kill again. As Mark struggles to navigate the maze of bizarre twists and untangle a web of deeply hidden secrets kept by some of the most powerful and influential people in this community and beyond. Stained by Blood. Order your copy of this engaging novel today at HagmanandHagman.com and click on the link. Stained by Blood. At HagmanandHagman.com and click on the link. Stained by Blood. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to the third and final hour of this Monday edition of the Hagman Report. Our guest is Pastor David Langford from the Voice of Evangelism and Steve Quill from stevequill.com. Just before the break, Steve was talking about the increase in, in the deployment of sex bots and how some people are even preferring these robots as opposed to real people. And Steve made the point just before the break of how uh, everything God had established and created, it is being uh, the the devil is turning that in that's for those foundations of creation into the exact opposite of what they were intended to be used for. Everything from you know homosexual marriage to the assault on the genders and so much more. Steve, I'm going to let you pick up right where you left off. Well, I think this is critical because again the uh, the thing is, and I maintain that you know the reason that people don't get it, and I, the reason why they don't really understand the depth of spiritual warfare or the glorious victory of the blood of Jesus Christ is because they don't understand one thing. If I were to tell you one word that has probably taken down more men or women of God, it would be the word sex. And what it was meant to be versus what it has become is a total different, and I would say perversion and diversion from God's original purpose. Now, in Genesis 6, it says this, Joe, this is the name of our film production, Gen 6 Productions, and it came to pass when, excuse me, and it came to pass when men began to multiply on the face of the earth, that and daughters were born unto them, that the sons of God saw the daughters of men, that they were fair, and they took them wives, all of which they chose. 
Now, I have, um, and let me just go through verse 4. And the Lord said, My spirit shall not always strive with man, for that he also is flesh, yet his days will be 120 years. There were giants in the earth in those days, and after that, so before the flood and after that, when the sons of God came in unto the daughters of men, and they bare children to them, the same became the mighty men which are of old, men of renown. I've been at this for 45 years. I'm, I'm only saying this because you cannot find any place in the world, I haven't been able to, uh, where you have any form of even oral tradition, written myths and legends that don't deal with this. The argument that these are the sons of Seth is a totally humanistic thing. Seth was a righteous man. God said everything after its likeness and kind. So the idea is this, that angels wanted to inject themselves, insert themselves, and that that's a literal case. The sons of God argument, you can argue that, but when you're in the book of Job, and Satan comes before the throne, and the sons of God are in that heavenly thing. That's not talking about earthly position or earthly men uh, ascending into the heavens. The point is, is that the sex, again, Satan's execution of the human race, when men get involved with sex bots, okay, when women get in bot, and, and when they get in, uh, in bed with the bots, the robots, uh, I don't know what I'll call male robots yet. I, I better be careful. But the point is, is that there will be no procreation. And I, I won't go into, I'm going to wait until Branson. This isn't a teaser because I want people to understand this. And I'm going to lay it out. Believe it or not, I've been working on my notes to stay focused, everyone. So, you know, it will be linear. Thank the Lord for intercessors. But the the idea is this that God is so uh, in love with his original creation that what we were meant to be when the Lord God of heaven walked with Adam and Eve in the cool of the day in the garden is, is something he wants his family back. And what I'm surprised at, David, is the people that claim to be, and claimants, to claim to be Christians, don't understand the fatherhood, the heart of God, the wonderful heart of Jesus, the wonderful salvation. Uh, you know, and he said, all manner of sin will be forgiven against the Father and the Son, but not against the Holy Ghost. I said that, Joe, on uh, one of the Hagman Hagman episodes, and I got a call from, uh, you know, a very famous uh, Luciferian uh, mouthpiece. And he says, I don't want to be forgiven. And this is what I think. And I won't even, I will not even mention what he said. And I said, then you have your reward and the hell that you admire will be your eternal torment. Well, you know, the point is, is that in Genesis 6, now we're seeing what will be outside of the grace of God, the sexual extinction of the human race. And it will be Satan's Extinction, remember, S-E-X, extinction, and it's going on full bore, and the world's buying into it. And it's beyond the Stepford Wives. Stepford Wives is one of the first uh, science fiction movies that promoted, you know, a happy uh, a colony of people living in kind of a suburban uh, setting where all the women were wives and they were perfect, and all the men seemingly to be, you know, lessers and uh, dominators just loved it until things went haywire. Now they've had to shut down. Now I want to share something. I'm going to be dealing with AI, artificial intelligence, and I would say this as if anybody who's building these things has any intelligence at all, and I know they're smarter than I am. That's not the thing. But if you're sitting with uh, uh, 
a bunch of compounds in a kitchen sink and you're dumping them all in a drain and you don't realize that C and D are going to blow the whole house up, you probably would like to know that before you start dumping this stuff down the drain. But humanity now is so deceived. And if Jesus' words aren't more real now than they ever were, that, that except God himself were to shorten the days, there'd be no flesh alive. And then let me share this. I stated years ago that you'll stand at a urinal if you're a male, uh, sit in a stall if you're female, and they will, they will absolutely have diagnostics and genetic testing. It goes even further. Imagine that they have a way, and, and listen, these guys are evil. These are supernatural entities to even uh, instantly analyze DNA. I'm going to leave it at that because I don't want to get any further into that. But you can see that this is the end of the human race unless... Now, I know that God said, you know, that except the days be short and there be no flesh left alive. That's not talking about meat on the table. That's talking about two-legged meat. That's talking about us because if we don't stand up and if we don't cry out for the brethren and our sisters that are losing their heads, that are being cannibalized, that are being eaten and sold in the market due to the policies of the entity that was in the slaughterhouse, now Donald Trump is regaining the land. There are men of God going through each room and praying over it and rebuking the spirits in it, and then we've got to stand up. And I'll tell you what, Pastor David, now I'm turning over to you before, you know, I go into space. The idea, if I see one more wimpy, uh, you know, person whispering to me about Jesus, I mean, I'm going to say, Lord, you've got to translate me on the spot before, you know, before I pour water on them. Because this is so sad. You cannot have anything. And this is why churches are being turned into mosques. This is why the Muslims are saying our, our women's wombs will be our victory. The, the Islamic birth rate, what, 8.9 births per however many thousand in, in the United States because we've got birth control and gender uh, confusion and everything else. Our, our birth rate now has fallen to the point where it can no longer contain itself. It can no longer reproduce produce itself. And with the xenoestrogens in water, remember, David, I talked about all the estrogens in the water and stuff? It's all here now, brother. So now we talk about Jesus. We talk about the Holy Ghost. We get people filled with the Holy Ghost. I'm believing for miracles in Branson, Missouri. I'm not talking about, you know, the kind where, ah, give me $777, brothers and sisters, and I'll give you 777 miracles, you know, or God will multiply your blessing 7,700 times, you know, and I'm sorry, I am mocking that. That infuriates me to the point of saying it's all about the King of Glory. It is all about standing up for Him. People said, "Well, that'll get me killed." I said, "If, if, if you know, Derek Prince said one thing, David, and then it's yours." He said, "The reason Islam will flourish." This is one of the last things he said before he died. You know, uh, a number of years ago, decades ago, I guess, uh, at least a decade ago, he said the reason. Islam will flourish is because they're willing to die for what they believe, and the Christians won't stand, let alone die, for what they believe. Go ahead, David. Uh, that is so true, Steve. I want to go back just for a minute. You said something that kind of piqued my mind. Genesis 2 and 21, And the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon Adam. And he slept, and he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh instead thereof. And the rib which the Lord God had taken from the man made he a woman, 
and brought her unto the man. And Adam said, This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman, because she was taken out of a man. Therefore shall a man leave his father and his mother, and shall cleave unto his wife, and they shall be one flesh. And they were both naked, the man and his wife, and were not ashamed. Marriage, procreation, was God's original plan, and it's the first uh, institution that God ordained was marriage. He, he ordained marriage in the very beginning. He ordained monogamy for a lifetime. It was in God's original plan. It's how God wills for it to be today. Jesus, of course, reemphasized that principle in the 19th chapter of Matthew. Number two, there was no shame before sin entered into the world. Only after Adam and Eve had sinned did they become self-conscious of their naked bodies. God has always intended for intimate sexual joy to be fulfilled only within the bonds of marriage and there without shame. How do we know that? Uh, Hebrews 13, 4, Marriage is honorable in all, and the bed undefiled, but whoremongers and adulterers will God judge. So everything in the confines of marriage is honorable. Anything outside of the confines of marriage is a sin, and God is going to judge it. And so God implemented this institution, and now it's gone from, from sodomy, and now we're into the, the, the sphere of uh, sex bots, transgenderism. How about the Navy SEAL, Chris, who's now Kristen? Um, you know, you take enough hormones, uh, if you're a woman, uh, male hormones, you'll begin to take on those characteristics, or vice versa. If a, if a woman takes on enough testosterone, she'll take on manly characteristics. Body hair, voice gets deeper, etc., etc. All of these are aberrations. All of these are anomalies. And because of synthetic drugs and things, man is able to try to create himself in his own image as he sees himself. Now, now the reason that is significant is because how in the world can you wake up one morning and you, you know, I'm a man, you know, I got hair on my chest, hair on my face. How, how, how do I look in the mirror and all of a sudden think I'm a woman? Well, I believe it's, it's disembodied spirits that have found a place of residence in these earthen clay jars called demon possession. Amen. There, there is something so abnormal about that. Or a or, or woman looking in a mirror and all of a sudden she says, I, I'm a man. You know, there, there, there's, a, there's, a, there's an influence that has come in and that's those seducing spirits. See? Uh, and, 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 and here's why here's why you don't hear preachers preaching against sin because if you preach against sin you have to preach against the doctrine of sin and all of these things that Steve and I are talking about are doctrinal but they're false doctrine, they're not true doctrine they're, they're, they're heresy, they're fallacies they're mendacities and so if a true man of God stands up he has to say hey, that is sin you know, people all the time say well, I, I'm going to stand for what's right. Well, here's the problem with that. When it comes to time to stand for what's right, the flip side of that is you've got to stand against what's wrong. Now, how many people listening to me tonight would want their daughter or their son or their granddaughter or their grandson 
having any kind of contact with a transgender person? Would you put them in the car, send them to McDonald's? Would you put them in the car, send them to the park? Would you put them into the car and send them to Baskin Robbins? No. Not if you're in your right mind. Why? Because you know that is evil. And you, and you would do that for the sake of that child. There's nothing more innocent than a child. I, I, I did a wedding yesterday. What's today? I did a wedding Saturday. And we, we left and we got in the car and I told my wife, I said, there was a man there. And I said, so help me God. He was a sodomite. And he had his nephew, about 10, 11 years old. I said, I pray to God right now. He is not able to molest that little boy. I can see it. You see, that's what I'm talking about, the gift of discernment. You, you can see this stuff. You don't have to be a rocket scientist. You can, you can feel it in your spirit. It just, it just, um, it, it just, I sat there and I was just rubbed wrong, you know. And, and, and I'm, I'm a man. And, and you know, I, I'd like to do some things to these perverts that, that wouldn't be right, I know. But I, I hate that because since they cannot procreate, they recruit. It's your sons and your daughters and your grandsons and your granddaughters and your nieces and your nephews. They go after. You know, God help the, the Boy Scouts letting sodomites be uh, masters and things in these, in these institutions. And, and these churches, God help these pastors and these church councilmen and these churches that will give their church to a sodomite uh, group of men. What's wrong with us? You, you need to speak up and say, we don't do that because that's sin and it damns souls, whether you like it or not. You know, I, I, was, I was thinking the other day, you know, you never hear that term, uh, in, in the pulpit, you know, about the damned or being damned. Uh, but but I, I got to thinking about some of the men in the Bible that talked about being damned. And that, that, that that's a very hard and crass word. But Jesus said in, in uh, uh, Mark sixteen sixteen, He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, but he that believeth not shall be damned. You know, that, that that's not pretty preaching, folks. But I didn't say that. Jesus said that. But will you hear these men say that? Second Thessalonians 2.11 And for this cause, God shall send them strong delusion, that they should believe a lie, that they all might be damned who believe not the truth, but had pleasure in unrighteousness. Now that's, that's not pretty either. But I didn't say it. Paul the Apostle said that they would be damned. Why? Because they believe not in the truth. And then in Second Peter 2 and 3, And through covetousness shall they with feigned words make merchandise of you, whose judgment now of a long time lingereth not, and their damnation slumbereth not. Now watch this. This is how certain their damnation is. For if God spared not the angels that sinned, but cast them down to hell, and delivered them into chains of darkness, and to be reserved unto judgment, watch this, and spared not the old world, but save Noah, the eighth person, a preacher of righteousness, bringing in the flood upon the world of the ungodly, and turning the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah into ashes, condemned them with an overthrow, making them an example unto those that after should live ungodly. Now, you're not going to hear that kind of preaching ever anymore. That, that day, that era is gone. Because that's too hard. That's too pointed. That's, I'll get emails that will blow me out of the water tomorrow. But don't waste your time. And I'll have my wife read every one of them. And before she prints them, I don't have to read the garbage and the mess. But I'm giving you the word of the Lord. 
That's not David Lankford. That's not Steve Quell. That's not Joe or Doug Hagman. That is thus saith the Lord. That's what needs to come back to the pulpit. Men lost without God will be damned. That, that, you say, well, that, that's just too hard. I thought God is a God of love. Go back and what did Jesus say? If you believe, you'll be saved. If you don't believe, you'll be damned. I didn't say that. I didn't make up the rules. And, and then he says to the perverts, he turned the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah into ashes, condemned them with an overthrow, making them an example unto those that after should live in Galilee. He said, you live like Sodom and Gomorrah, you'll burn like Sodom and Gomorrah. You know, and, 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 he, and he prefaces all of these, that conclusion there by saying, for if God spared not, and God spared not, if he didn't spare the angels, they, they turned into apostates, the fallen angels, they were apostates apostates. They knew there was a God, but they didn't they didn't acknowledge God. You know, Psalms ten four, the wicked, through the pride of his countenance, will not seek after God. God is not in all of his thoughts. You know, the these Supreme Court justices and these uh, circuit judges, federal judges, they don't acknowledge God in their thoughts. And and, and and you're right, Steve, we need to keep praying for this president. We are in one of the greatest elements of warfare. And, and I'm telling you, the devil wants a third world war. And we're watching all of this talk. Now they're telling us if North Korea has the technology that they're purported to have, uh, an ICBM can hit New York City in 39 minutes from North Korea. I, I did, did I tell you, Steve, three or four weeks ago, I said, I, I got a gut feeling there's going to be a blitzkrieg. They're going to start hitting uh, uh, B-1 bombers, B-52 bombers, cruise missiles, and try to take the man out like a blitzkrieg and, and try to stop it. But this is this is coming, folks. You know, this is coming. Matthew 24 and uh, 6, And ye shall hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that ye be not troubled. For all these things must come to pass. This stuff is coming. You know why it's coming? The earth, the world is becoming so vile, so wicked, and so salacious, and so corrupt and men are loving it. I mean, Steve, you said something a while ago. You said, you're not as smart as they are. That's not true. You're smarter than they are. They're just so corrupt. They're, 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 their vein is, is, is in corruption and sin and immorality, and we are seeking the kingdom of God. We desire Jesus. We want eternal life. We've got everything to gain if we just hold on to the cross of Christ. And, 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 and they don't see that because they are blind in whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ should shine unto them they can't see and the only way they're going to be able to see is if Jesus removes the veil it, it, it takes the spirit of God why? because again Second Corinthians 4.4 4, in whom the God of this world Satan has blinded the minds of them which believe not lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, whose the image of God should shine on them. If, if God doesn't do it, it won't happen. Those of us who have been redeemed, you ought to thank God every day you're saved. You Amen. Say, well, you know, Pastor, I'm, I, I, my, I'm having all sorts of problems physically. My children, my, my, my job, my, my husband, my wife. Hey, all this is temporal. Hear me out. All of this is temporal. You ought to thank God every day. Thank you, Jesus. I'm washed in the blood. If an ICBM hits my city, hits my state, I'm going to go because I'm washed in the blood of the Lamb. It doesn't matter. 
See, and, and, and so what God wants us to do is to be his vessels of honor uh, that are sanctified and meet for his use. You know, God won't use just anybody. Now, there's, there's so many charlatans out there, and I hear this and I see this, but 2 Timothy 2.21 says, If a man therefore shall purge himself from these, he shall be a vessel of honor, sanctified, set apart for the master's use, and prepared unto every good work. God's got so much he wants to do, but he can't find the vessels. He can't find the people. I look at these mega churches, you know, mega churches, and that means many people's flocking in. But but I read it again just this past week, First Timothy four one. I mean, First John four one. Beloved, believe not every spirit, but try the spirit, where that be of God. For many false prophets are gone out into the world. Peter, he said the same thing. You're going to see many false teachers, many false prophets, see, and they're going to bring in, listen to this, there's that word again, who probably shall bring in damnable heresies, even denying the Lord that brought them. Now, they're not standing up there and say that Jesus is not the Lord. That's exactly what they're saying. They're using the power of his name to get into your pocketbook, to get into your head, to get into your mind. But at the end of the day, they don't serve God. They serve their belly. But Peter said they're going to bring in damnable heresies, as Steve was mimicking and mocking them. Send me $777, and God will send you $70,000, whatever. That's not the gospel. The gospel is the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And, and they've secularized the gospel. And, and, and here's the key to it. I'm going to give it back to Steve. First uh, Corinthians two four, Paul said, "And my speech, and my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power, that your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God." When you walk into a Holy Ghost Spirit filled service, there will be a demonstration of the Spirit and of power. That is what's lacking in our churches, in our conferences. You know, my wife and I are fasting and we're praying, and I know Steve is, and some of the other people are, but we're pleading with God to blanket that place with his presence in Branson. I, I, you know, the, we're sold out. Steve said we're sold out. There's no room for anyone else except to, to view it online. But I'm pleading with God for a supernatural visitation. And, and, and I want you to pray for Steve and I. Because if God does what I feel like he's going to do, this will be the beginning of many. Because I believe in the midst of all of this trouble, you're going to see revival where people want it. Those who want it are going to have it. Because God said in Acts 2.17, It shall come to pass in the last days, saith God, I will pour out of my spirit upon all flesh. God is going to pour out of his own spirit. God has a personal spirit. John 4.24, God is a spirit. And they that worship him must worship him in spirit and the truth, for the Father seeketh such to worship him. God himself, I'm not talking about the Holy Ghost. I don't want to confuse you, but out of God's spirit, he put this in my heart two years ago, he would, be, he would pour out of his own personal spirit on all flesh. Now, that's up to you or I whether or not we want to receive it. I don't, I don't have to receive it, but let me tell you, 
Matthew 5 and 6, Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. God will give everyone divine supplement and sustenance if they seek him. God will not withhold any good thing. Psalms 84, 10, The Lord God is a sun and shield. He will give grace and glory. No good thing will he withhold from them that walk uprightly. The Holy Ghost, the Spirit of God, is a good thing. The blessings of God are good things. He said, I won't withhold them. But you have to walk uprightly, he said. And, and the next verse there, David said, A day in my courts is better than a thousand. I'd rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than to dwell in the tents of wickedness. I'd rather fellowship with God's people who were broke, busted, didn't have anything, but had Jesus, than to sit in all the opulent castles of the world with all the finery, all the opulence. That's, that's going to perish, folks. I'm going, and there's a city coming when there's a new heaven and a new earth. There's a new city called the New Jerusalem coming down from God out of heaven. And the city has no need for the light because Jesus Christ is the light and the glory thereof. Can't imagine a place like that. The doors are never locked. The doors are never shut. The gates are always open. No thief, no robber, no whoremonger, no one of that nature can get into what God's going to prepare for them that love him. We've we got to think about the eternal things. And right now, the, the secular church has got your eyes horizontal. Cars, boats, money. Hey, that's all going to pass away. We're going to have a new heaven, a new earth, and, and last but not least, we're going to have a new body. And, and, and I know some of us, we could use that whole body right now. This whole body is, is, is deteriorating. But, but that, that's the blessing of the redeemed. The world, the sinner, God's not going to give them a new body. Only those who've been washed in the blood... And I believe God showed me this many years ago. If you have Parkinson's disease, uh, you have Alzheimer's, you, you have cancer, you, you have diabetes, uh, uh, whatever, if you're not redeemed by the blood of Jesus Christ, you will have that in all eternity if you're lost without God. You, those, those same feelings of that diseased body, that, that's the diseased part of a man is his soul anyway. It's disease with sin. And that's part, of the, that's part of the curse of sin. I believe those who don't get a redeemed body will have that for all eternity. What a torment in itself to be like that. But that's the promise. You don't hear preachers preaching about the blessings, the rewards of the Lord, because that's not what they're into. They're into money, they're into numbers, and, and, and God wants us to come back to the cross. But I do want to say this, and I'm going to give it back to you, Steve. We need to be very diligent right now. There's something coming down the pike, whether it's North Korea or, or a Middle East war, but, but believe you me, Satan is going to foment something that, that'll be make 9-11 look like a, a, a cakewalk, a picnic. I'm telling you, God's wrath, he's getting more and more uh, furious with what's going on. But if those who do right, God will stand by you, protect you, and watch you. I believe that. But those who are in between, indifferent, lukewarm, tepid, are going to suffer just as the wicked suffer when God begins to mete out judgment. I'm going to give it back to you, Steve. Well, I want to, before I, I bring you up to speed on what David was talking about, uh, North Korean blitzkrieg, I want to go have everyone start meditating on the scripture, because it applies to you, and I'll put it in the context of the 139th Psalm, but as it is written, 1 Corinthians 2.9, I have not seen, nor ear heard, neither have entered into the hearts of man the thing which God hath prepared for them that love him. I was 
contemplating, uh, you know, the just the thoughts that God has towards us. And obviously in the 139th Psalm, he says, more numerous than the sand of the sea are his thoughts. And obviously it dawned on me that it's eternal. I mean, there's nothing that God can't purpose in his heart for his people. Then all the sand of the sea. So I, I started doing the calculations. Actually, you can look it up yourself. There's approximately 400,000 grains of normal beach sand in a handful. They even go into the cubic, um, you know, metric uh, uh, measurement of a sand grain, etc. And it blew my mind, Pastor Joe. It blew my mind. Most of us sometimes can't find like three or four things that we like about ourselves. Yet our same our Savior, our Redeemer, uh, the Colossians one sixteen seventeen says that Jesus by Him and in Him the, the, do all things uh, consist. Okay, exist, and they consist because we're held together by the sheer Word of God. Quantum physics is going to come to the conclusion that the God particle is very much the Word of God, the spoken Word of God. Sounds precedes light. I understand that, but when I read this, but as it is written, I have not seen, nor ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of man the things which God hath prepared for them that love him. That's a wow. Ladies and gentlemen, brothers and sisters, atheists, agnostics, unbelievers, haters of God, those who will come into the kingdom through the worst series of events in the history of the world, listen to this. You can't get away from the statement that God loves you so much that he will honor your free will to accept or reject. David, I've been on talk radio now for a long time, and, uh, you know, quarter of a century, and I'm 66. By the way, I'm not saying this for anybody's birthday greeting, but I turn 66 next week. Well, to say I've aged gracefully, lie. To say I enjoy aging, lie. You know, uh, the point is, though, is I can't fight it, but I will say this. I have purposed in my heart to win, to share, to encourage, to empower, to uh, uh, be as much of a blessing as can. I want to set the record straight. In all the nine, ten thousand hours, I have never claimed to be a prophet, nor do I now. The only thing I claim is Jesus called me face to face. He told me if I would warn his people, he would bring the people that know what's going on to tell me what's going on, and I could warn his people. That is what I have done for pretty much a quarter of a century. Amongst the scorn, the ridicule, the absolute character assassination. Now, I'm not crying my beer, uh, root beer. The point is, I'm just saying this, that God has been faithful. What's going to happen in the, in, uh, the coming days is going to try the hearts of men. All you Christians that hated Donald Trump, all you that spoke out, you want to be prophets, you claimants, you though that, that damned me and damned whoever stood for Donald Trump as being racists and bigots and haters and blah, blah, blah. I see pictures of him in the White House with men of God laying on their hands on him. And I'll tell you this, I will not identify it, but somebody who walks in those circles spoke to me and said, he, Donald Trump, knows exactly that his life will be spared as long as he's obedient. And he is listening to godly counsel. I don't think anybody, and, and David, you know the flack you and I got when we said God gave us a reprieve? You know? God gave yes. us a reprieve of, uh, and, and a timeout, yet that doesn't stop the war. I believe it will be a, a blitzkrieg. And I, I want to read something. 
There are certain people that I trust over the years that have a batting average of, you know, basically they have no strikeouts, and I don't know much about sports, but I know, you know, the idea is to hit homers and not strike out. I asked him, I said, and I won't mention his name, brother, here's what I said. Can you tell me what your thoughts would be if Russia withdraws its embassy staff and where you think the Korean situation will lead in the next 30 days? If you want to go on drudge right at this minute, okay? David, we're pleading for people to come to Jesus tonight. We're telling people they need to make it right with Jesus tonight. None of us are guaranteed tomorrow. Now, here's what he responded to me. Uh, This is in the last 24 hours. Whether you want to believe it or not, do what I've told you to do for 25 years. Take it to the Lord in prayer and ask him, Lord, is Steve speaking by his own spirit, out of his imagination, or did you tell him this through a servant? The hot tango dance is coming, most probably before the season of the ice. Things are in progress for the event. That means before winter. There will be no forewarnings. Folks should be in prayer and get right with Jesus. If folks want to laugh, then they will suffer the consequences of their evil. No one knows the time. It will be just as a thief in the night. Far too many treasonous leakers abound, so time will not be announced. Too much at stake for sure. The Norks, that's the North Koreans, are suicidal, so they could go at any time. We are surrounded by the forces of four nations with their influx already waiting upon us, waiting for the go. Russia and China will do mop-up if all goes down. Iran and Venezuela among the Norks. Now, are the, uh, excuse me, and the North Koreans are the proxies. Putin knows full well the prophecies. He has asked about it and knows the evil that is present. Our nation laughs and turns its back on God. Thus he shall be as Akita. Fire will fall. Fire will fall from the sky and two-thirds of mankind will be destroyed in what is to come. Russia will be the instrument of chastisement. We should have taken care of the Norks long ago when we had the chance. Now we will suffer from allowing evil to persist and electing evil to be in control for so long. Those of evil are trying to remove that which is good. Our president tries to do that which is right. Two, uh, to bring repentance, but evil only desires chaos and death. Russia wants nothing of the New World Order understands the evil that is, and is told in the Holy Bible will come to pass. Woe unto them who scorn. May the Lord Jesus uh, have mercy on those of us who love him. Now, again, you know, David, some people will take that. Some people will say, ah, oh, it's just somebody that doesn't know what they're talking about. I will only say this. This brother has been, uh, and when I say 100%, He's never, never named the time. It was my 30 days. He's not saying it will be in 30 days. But even tonight on the front of Drudge, it says the 70 subs, North Korean subs, are out. It says they're so close to Japan. The question people need to ask is what will be the response or what will be the event that triggers the response? And again, the idea simply is this, is that I don't know what tomorrow brings, but I'm grateful that God holds all my tomorrows. He holds my futures. He's forgiven my past. And as you were told by the Lord, forget the past, embrace the present, and trust God with the future. Is that pretty accurate? That's dead on it. It's dead on it. So the thing that we're asking you, ladies and gentlemen, look, a true heart of repentance says this, and and uh, look, it's just, Lord, I'm a mess. I'm a sinner. I'm living in sin, or I'm active in sin. I'm stoned out of my mind, Jesus. I'm, I'm shacking up. 
um, I, I got to say it carefully now, Lord, I'm involved in so many sexual relationships that uh, Johnny Appleseed would be embarrassed. But God, forgive me. Forgive me. And I want to turn from my wicked ways. And Lord, uh, there's a powerful word, and it's called help. Help me, Jesus. And I know, David, from my Bible that Jesus said, All who call upon him will he in no wise cast aside. David, if this were the last night that you and I had on the air together, and I'm not I'm not using that as an evangelical, you know, thing to get them to believe in the catchaway, you know, and already you know this, that people are saying, Oh, August twenty first is a rapture, September twenty first to the twenty third is a rapture. How many times do they have to be wrong before they admit that maybe they're looking for an event that will not happen, at least in their lifetime? And I want to make it clear. I believe in the pre-wrath rapture of the church. We go to meet with Jesus. But the idea that somehow, you know, we all escape this living like hell, uh, putting up with hell, never speaking up against it, never standing up for God. You know, it's like this. Multitudes, multitudes in the valley decision for the day of the Lord is at hand. I understand the literal day of the Lord at the end of the tribulation when God basically moves, and as he is the king of glory and the creator of all, heaven and earth, he moves in one day. He doesn't need three and a half years of hell, which there will be, but the point is is that God moves. But until that time, people need to get right. They need to stand up. They need to rise up. They need to speak up, and by the grace of God, never be ashamed of Jesus. Never be ashamed. And those of you that want to fight over the name of Jesus being Zeus, you're wrong. You're so wrong. Jesus said, before Abraham, before Abraham was, I am. You know, the point is, is that we're, we're in the time period where it, more people will spend time attacking whether God should be called Yahweh or Yahweh or, you know, all the different derivations, then live right, then live right and repent and go out and win people for Jesus Christ. I don't care if you're if you're Jewish, you want to call him Yeshua, you can call him Yeshua. But I'm not a Jew. I don't have anything against anybody who is. I'm just saying this, that Jesus is his name. And I understand the Greek name. I understand how it's spelled. But never, never, ever, ever was it ever associated with Zeus. And since I write on comparative mythology and have studied this for 25 years, probably more like 35 before I started really writing and stuff, the point being is, is that it's nowhere to be found. It is an attack, it is an assault on the Lord Jesus Christ by the one who hates him the most. And I am not ashamed of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Doesn't Paul say that? Romans, what, one sixteen? For it's the power of God unto salvation to the Jews first and then the Gentiles? Is it, did I quote that correctly, David? That's right, you sure did. So, so the thing that I'm stating is this. People, you need a touch in your life. I do not like to do, uh, what are these things called, conferences, okay? This thing came together in record time. It wasn't designed to take away from anybody else's conferences or saying anything that we do is better than that. That's not it. But I, I remember, I called David, and I said, David, I was up praying, and the Lord rebuked me. And these were his words. I never called you to walk in another man's ministry. I called you to walk in that which I laid out before you. Is that accurate? Amen. And and since the time that Pastor David Lankford and I were first brought together on talk radio, it was something God did. 
And it was something God did. He took two absolute renegade rascals out of control. Uh, I'll leave it at this. And our paths are so similar. Our backgrounds are so similar. But our point of redemption is similar. We came in supernaturally through the kingdom by the grace of God. We don't have to be what we were then. And and look, you know, I have a lot of, I, I grant a lot of people grace because I've never lost track by the grace of God of what he redeemed me from. But I've got no time for religious people. I've got no time for people wanting to argue with me. Get your own radio show. Go out and pay the price. Go out and do what you wouldn't do. Or go out and try and, you know, talk. And, and this is something else. Those of you who refer to God in the sky as a big guy in the sky, I want to tell you this. That's sacrilegious. He's not the big guy in the sky. He is not a man that he should lie. Or, you know, all the other colloquialisms. His name, if you are a Christian, his name is Jesus Christ. You can argue. If you're a, if you're a whatever you want to be in, call him Yeshua, fine. But then be as bold for Yeshua as those who have laid down their lives. Because when the book of Hebrews, and then I'm going to let you have it, David, for as long as you want it. When the book of Hebrews says that scene that we're surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, that words martyrs, let us run the race. I can't but weep when I see the poor animals are being sodomized. That in the most sophisticated, supposedly knowledgeable lands uh, in, in, in East, uh, excuse me, Europe and all over the world, that the poor animals are being raped. They're being raped, you guys. That's bestiality. And in the Word of God in the Old Testament, God put the animal and said the animal and the man who lieth with the beast must be put to, to death. It wasn't because God, uh, you know, I mean, it was a revulsion in him, but he knew what had gone on before in the hybridization of combining human and animal DNA. And if you don't get it, when you read Drudge, when you read all the different stories about chimeras, the combination of DNA from animals and humans and Jesus' word, there'll be no flesh left alive. The sexual perversion of raping these harmless animals uh, to the point of such grossness, I'll stop there. And you don't cry and you don't weep, then I got to tell you something. You better get a heart check really quick because you can't live uh, apart from it. It's, it permeates the world and you need to pray. You need to cover yourself with the blood of Jesus. You need to take dominion for your family's sake. And in my case, I'll speak to me too. I got to live right. I got to think right. I got to speak right. I'm working on that one. And the deal is, I'm still looking to Jesus, who's the author and finisher of my faith. 25 years on talk radio. I started out on talk radio speaking about the Lord Jesus Christ. The guy who put me on the radio, uh, uh, Don Wiedemann, uh, at KHNC, I don't know if he's alive or whatever. I bear him no ill will. But he told me I had to quit talking about Jesus. Those of you who remember those days, I said, the day that happens, Pastor, you've probably heard that. I said, I'm off. The day he told me I couldn't speak about Jesus was in one day I was off. So the point is, God has raised us up to uplift his glorious son. And when I tell people, look, what can I tell them now? What should I tell them? People say, well, tell us what you really know. What have you done with what you've been told? See, again, Jesus said, if I've told you earthly things and you believe me not, how can I tell you heavenly things? And you'd be surprised. And I won't name names because that's just not what I'm about. 
of the people who are in ministry that they'll acknowledge this stuff that we're talking about. But look, they don't want to hear Pastor Langford talking about sin. They don't want to hear me talking about the cover-up or cover-over of history. They want their readership, but more than that, or their listenership, but more than that, they want their money. You know, we want your happiness in eternity. Go ahead, Pastor. And David, thanks for coming on tonight. And and I'm not leaving. I mean, you know, if you can go for the 15 minutes take, and I'm here for the duration, brother. But, Joe, thank you for having us on tonight. But, you know, finish it out, David. People need to register for live streaming for Branson. I promise you, and I'll make this based on the Word of God. I know the people praying. I know the people interceding. I know they're calling on God. I know the weeping that's going on before the throne of Almighty. God, that you, those who will come, that you, those who will listen, that you, those who will hear, that the, even the DVDs will be anointed. And from all over the world, please, ladies and gentlemen, if you live in the corner of some country and you're, you're basically, you need to feast in the presence of the living God, please tune in to the live streaming. It costs a lot of money to set it up, and I don't know, you know, how many uh, people we can live stream right now, but please, we'll do whatever's necessary. So uh, next, oh, by the way, Thursday, I will be on uh, Hagman and Hagman. We'll be on Hagman and Hagman uh, primarily. I will be interviewing each one of the speakers for the next Thursday, uh, all the Thursdays until I think the uh, first week in September. So we're looking forward to those who have, have stood with us, who will be at Branson in person, those of us who, those of you who have stood with us who are going to be streaming, because God isn't bound by TV sets, and I promise you, more than lay your hand on the TV and then take your wallet out and put it on the TV. I always wanted to say this, if I ever had a chance, take take your gun and shoot the TV. Maybe that's the best way to deal. Go ahead, David. No, I, I, I'm totally... Uh sync with you there Steve it, this is this is all about people's eternal souls um, this conference which I hope is just the beginning of a, of a great milestone uh, where we can assemble together and the power of God to be made manifest um, there's there's so much falsehood out there uh, one of the things you said while I go Steve made me think those who argue about the name of Jesus or Jehovah. Uh, there's two things about these people. Number one, they don't have the baptism in the Holy Ghost. Number two, they've never cast out a devil in their lives. You know, I've had many encounters with demon-possessed people. Uh, it's ugly, but I've never used any other name but Jesus. I've never used Yahshua, and I understand that, that, that that's Hebrew. I understand that. Joshua, Yahshua, uh, but my point is, Jesus is where the power is. Matthew one twenty one. She shall bring forth a son. Thou shalt call his name Jesus, and he shall save his people from their sins. You see, there again, it's about him redeeming the sinner. Him bringing back the sinner. Him reclaiming the backslider. Those who have drifted. Those who have wandered. Those who have wafted away. That's who God extends his hands to. Second uh, Peter 3, 9, The Lord is not slack concerning his promises, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. You see, 
again, you don't hear that said on television or radio anymore, that all should come to repentance. Why? Well, they, they don't have to repent. They're, 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 they're good people, and there's just no need for that. That's not true. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And I want to say this. I had a gentleman call me today, this morning. It reminded me of something I said some weeks ago on one of my radio programs. It is a terrible thing to fall, but it's a far worse thing to stay there. There's not any of us that have not missed the mark. If you didn't hear my radio program today, I encourage you to go back and listen to it. Having failed God, what do I do? Everyone listening tonight, in some capacity, some way, some shape, some form, some fashion, we have failed God. You say, well, I've not failed God. Well, if, if you're not praying, you're not reading your Bible, you're not witnessing, you're not tithing, or you've sinned, you've done this, you've done that, you took a drink of liquor, you smoked dope, you snorted a line of cocaine, you've sinned. You've grieved the Spirit of God. Steve shared with you from First. Corinthians 3, 16, Know ye not that you're the temple of God, and that the Spirit of God dwelleth within you. If any man defile the temple, him will God destroy, for the temple of God is holy, which temple ye are. God does not live in brick-and-mortar buildings. The Branson in Man- the, Man- in, in, in the Mansion in Branson Theater is, is, is had everything in the world there. They come September the 15th, 16th, and 17th, it's going to be a sanctuary for God because of the people that will be there, not the building. Steve's bringing the Holy Ghost with him. I'm bringing the Holy Ghost with me. My wife is. Uh, my brother, my, my one of the ladies I've pastored for many years, helping us. We're going to be doing the music, good music, not just any kind of music, but good spirit-filled music. We're going to be there, and we've got God with us. And I'm, I'm, I'm pleading. I'm interceding. We're all interceding. God, just show up. I, whatever he does, folks, is going to be unbelievable. And it doesn't matter how God moves. I want to be so sensitive and so led by the Spirit. Because that's so important, is to be led. Romans eight fourteen. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they're called the sons of God. Whatever God wants is what I want. We're going to have communion uh, I think there's a, a few children to maybe be dedicated, but we're, we're going to be doing our part. But everyone has to do their part. But I want to say this. We're, I know we're getting down to the, the closure of the program. It's never too late to turn to Christ when you feel Christ knocking at your door, when you're feeling that convicting presence as he broods over your conscience. And, and you feel the way you're living and what you're doing. You know in your heart, you know in your spirit it is wrong. And I hear so many people say, I'm weak. I'm weak. Listen, we're all weak. We are all weak. My wife and I were, were talking, I believe it was last night. You know, when I turned to Christ in, on June the 6th, 1978, I, I had such a made-up mind. I was so determined. And, and, and all I did after I got saved was pray and fast and read my Bible and memorize Bible verses. That's all I did. Why? I wanted to make it. I wanted to be able to endure. Matthew twenty four thirteen. But they that shall endure unto the end, the same shall be saved. Ninety-five percent of the battle is making up your mind. Just being t- determined, being disciplined, I'm going to finish the course. I'm not going to quit. Yes, Satan will do everything he can to distract you. 
He, he will cause a storm and a tempest for some of you tomorrow that you just cannot believe. You're going to get up in the morning, and all of a sudden, it's just like a tank, a bulldozer, tries to run you over with adversity. But here's what he said in Proverbs 24.10. If thou faint in the day of adversity, thy strength is small. You can't faint. You can't quit. You can't give up because greater is he that is in you than he that's in the world. We're not just serving some whimsical God. We serve a God that says, I'm the God of all flesh. Is there anything too hard for me? So I want you tonight to, 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 to cast your care. I'm going to pray real quickly. I want you to cast your care. First Peter 5 and 6 says, Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. You say nobody cares. Yes, there's somebody who cares, and the one who cares the most can do the most for you. That's Jesus. Father, in the name of Jesus, your only begotten Son, I ask you to touch every heart. I ask you to touch every life. I ask you to touch every listener right now, Lord, whether it's YouTube or audio, video. I ask you in the name of Jesus to touch their hearts right now, Father, that they will know there is a God in heaven. Lord, we're not here to trouble the people, but we're here to uplift the people, to strengthen the hands of your people, to let them know that there's a heaven to gain and there's a hell to shun. Oh, God, we're trying to tell them the truth because the way is straight and the way is narrow, and few there be that find it. God, let the Hagman audience be those that find the way, the truth and the life, I pray, Father. And God, I just ask you to touch their ministry, their outreach, the Hagmans. I ask you to touch the meeting in Branson. You will touch every speaker, that the anointing of the Holy Ghost, the anointing of God will seal this meeting, O oh God, and that you will manifest your power in the manner and the way that we the people need it. Don't give us what we want, Lord, but give us what we need. Give us what we need for this hour. And Father, I'll give you all the praise and all the glory and all the honor, Lord, for it's in the beloved name of your Son, Jesus Christ, we humbly pray. Amen. Joe, I'm Amen. Going to you Amen. Steve. Well, uh, you guys are taking us to the very end of the program. And uh, it was a fantastic two hours. And, and just again, Steve, as you said, I think for this starting this Thursday, for the next five Thursdays, you are going to be joining us with uh, each of the speakers individually coming on. And we're really looking forward to that. Um, I know, Steve, you remember, and Pastor, you remember, we did, we used to do series of shows like this where we do, you know, five Thursdays or five Sundays in a row. Uh, very spiritually uplifting shows and and that had a, a huge impact on our audience and uh to be able to do this again uh on the run up to the Branson conference and folks as Steve said it the concert or the concert the conference is sold out but the live stream is still available and uh for folks who have uh not been able to get their tickets in time or had other uh money or or travel restraints uh take advantage of the, the live streaming because you know it uh it if you're going to do DVDs, Steve, I know it's going to take you know a long time to get those DVDs prepared and out. And the live streaming is your chance to basically be there, but still be in the confines of your own home comfortably. And it will give you yeah, access yeah. to all the speakers and seeing everything that's going on there live in Branson. So, uh, folks, make sure you sign up for that. Uh, Pastor Lankford, thank you so much for joining us. And you're going to be on, on Wednesday on your normal time also. Is that correct? I suppose I will be. <laughs> <laughs> 
All right. Well, we look forward to it. And uh, God bless you both, and thank you so much for joining us tonight. It was a fantastic show. Good night, thank you, Joe, Joe and bless you. Thank you, everyone. Have a wonderful week. What's left of it? Bye-bye. Amen. Thanks, Pastor Langford, and thank you, Steve Quayle. Well, folks, that will do it for us tonight. Real quick, um, just want to let people know who maybe uh, don't know yet, we have two new shows that we do each weekday, the Doug Hagman Show, which airs 9 to 10 a.m., on Blog Talk Radio as well as on Global Star Radio Network Channel 3. You can download those archives everywhere that podcast archives are available. And then John and I do a show, the Hagman Daily Show, from 2 to 3 p.m. each day. And we, uh, today was our kicking off the second week. And, um, you know, we're, we're getting some, some audience and some followers. We'd like to know what you think. If you have feedback, send it to studio at hagmanandhagman.com. But we're having a lot of fun doing the, the secondary shows, and we want to know how people like them. And if they have any criticisms or concerns, you can send us those emails as well. Again, that'll do it for us tonight. Until tomorrow, stay safe. God bless. Have a great evening.